Hey everybody, it's Josh here, and I just wanted to take a quick minute before the show gets started to just tell everyone that's listening, thank you. Any way in any manner in which you consume this, whether it's downloading, listening on YouTube, liking our Instagram posts, following us on there, going to the website and clicking it. However, that mechanism is that you choose to consume the content that we produce. I just wanted to say thanks. And on behalf of myself, obviously, and everyone here at Game Rage, we all thank you because knowing that you're out there and you're listening. And if we can just entertain one person, then really that makes all the blood, sweat, tears, everything we put into this worth it. And I know I'm sounding like a martyr right now, but I just wanted to show our appreciation, I suppose. And also to, you know, just remind everyone to follow us on Instagram and TikTok at Game Rage Magazine and to follow us on Twitter and X or slash X at Game Rage Mag. And to also visit our website, www.gameragemagazine.com. And again, thank you from everyone here and myself at Game Rage from the bottom of our hearts. We thank you for listening. Welcome to the dumbest smart guy podcast on the planet. This is the Central Unintelligence Podcast. Okay. All right. So, uh, hello and welcome to this will be the uh, inaugural episode of the Central Unintelligence Podcast, or as uh, we refer to it as the uh, ICUP Podcast. Because uh, <laughs> why not? Uh, I'm here. Uh, my name is Josh, and I'm here with uh, Frank today. What's up? And I'm also here with Adam. Howdy. And so just as a disclaimer, I guess, which this will probably have to go at the beginning of every episode, is uh, none of us are experts on anything, quote unquote, (laughs) geopolitical or war or history. But this podcast is essentially going to be it's going to be talking about a lot of those type of subjects. Uh, Our first topic today here is going to be uh, essentially American air power. And, and yes, this is going to be like a we're jerking off America session. All right. This is kind of what this podcast is going to be about. <laughs> so if you don't like the American military power that it is, then you're probably not going to like it. Uh, uh, I already okay. have a question because yeah, uh, this is probably gonna be a stupid one because I actually don't know the history of aviation mm-hmm. uh, like in the, in the sense of a, a global perspective. Right. Right. But w- were we the motherfuckers that invented flight like the Wright brothers? Yeah, that was those were the first dudes that. Oh, shit. Created Hell flight. Yeah. So not Hell only yeah, dude, America. Yeah, <laughs> fuck. Yeah. Not only did we. And you know what we did? The first thing we did, we, we invented flight and then we immediately we weaponized, weaponized it. it. All right. We, we literally figured out how can we kill people with this new technology that we have, which is kind of like, you know, what we do with everything. Really, it's oh, I got this sweet. Uh, you know, cell phone or this new iPhone technology or some bullshit. Like, oh, how, how can I use it to kill people? That's that's pretty much what drives American innovation is warfare. And so that's basically what we're going to be talking about today. Like I said, it's themed uh, more towards aviation it's, or, or American air power. So, uh, Frank, what was uh, you you had brought up uh, talking about specifically? Uh, I guess Vietnam era type aircraft or Cold War era. Well, not just that, but I. 
I also like to like talk about the fact that hey, you gotta talk. Yeah, in the you mic, gotta talk in the this mic. This thing keeps falling off on me. Dude. I can't. You, you gotta, you gotta twist the knob. Yeah, you gotta twist the knob. Bro. I did. You gotta twist it harder. Harder. Shit, that's a lot of tension. See how baby. hard that is. All right. Yeah. See, when you put it down, you gotta have it up. Well, you can't put it in fucking my eyeball. Well, look, the mic's right here. It's just gotta be in front of your face. All right. All right. All right. Go ahead. I lost my thought. Train of thought. The, the the whatever we're talking about. Yeah, we're talking about like cold, aircraft, like like the Cold War era aircraft. But you oh, said no, not no, just that. No, but no. no, I was thinking like not only did we invent flight, right? <clears throat> the Germans invented no rockets, uh, <laughs> not rockets. Um, jet engines. That's true. Yeah, that is correct. They did. Wait, who? The Germans. The Nazi, yeah, yeah, the Nazi, Nazi Germany. Yeah, yeah. During World War Two, yeah. it was. Luckily for us, it came out towards the end of World War Two. Yeah, because we yeah. would have been fucked if that <laughs> oh, was the yeah. case. Yeah. Um, so what did we did? Operation Paperclip. We took a bunch of their scientists, and now, then we took it, made, fuck, the first fighter jet, which was the, fuck, was it the F-2? Uh, I think it was the F-5, maybe, or something. Uh, again, this is where we're not experts, but, you know, whatever. Uh, we, yeah. made, we made the aircraft. We made a jet engine. And then the, the Soviets. Soviets took some of the Germans and made their own, and they made the MiG. Are you, uh, are you familiar with Operation Paperclip at all, Adam? Have you, have you heard of that? Mm, no, my like my my most of my Cold War history is done through uh, Metal Gear Solid Three. Oh yeah, that's <laughs> no, you know what that is that is a valid source for for Cold War <laughs> no, information. No, I, I mean, I do like vaguely remember right. Cold well, War just, history, but yeah, yeah, if you want to well, go ahead, listen, and I'll just give you the the rundown because I'm sure a lot of people out there may not even realize or know what it was. But essentially, after World War Two and the war ended, you know there was two there was two sides that won. Lower yourself just a little oh, bit. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Put yourself down just a smidge. All right, is that better? Yeah. A little right, bit better, I but I mean, go go a little lower. Yeah. All right, hold on. Let me do this. And I'm not even necessarily right, sure if that... you lowered me or like yourself. I, I mean, yeah, I'm I'm Mike too, so I haven't lowered anybody but me. So All right, it's good now. It's, okay, good. it's yeah, good. It's good. Okay, so anyway, so basically, after World War II, there were like two sides essentially that kind of won, which was the Allies and and then the Soviets. So. Uh, the Soviets decided that, or we decided that, hey, we got, we captured all these German scientists, so we need to kind of do something with this. Nah, so we, we just straight up told them. We took either you come work for us, yeah. or we let the legal system take care of you. So, I, the one question I do have is for the people that were actually scientists, did they get absolved of like anything? Because technically, oh, they weren't that's part of like the paperclip. That's for. what it was. Anybody who came over, so essentially, it just depended. I think geographically on where they were, because East and West Germany got or Germany got split in two after World War Two, right? So it was East Germany and West Germany. East went to the Soviets. Yeah, the yeah, West yeah. went to the us. So I, really, it was basically I think geographically where they were located is which side they ended up on. Uh, initially, and so then we took the side or the guys that had you know a lot of the rocket stuff and a lot of the the stuff that they were developing, and we yeah, basically remember not too said, long not too long hey, after that we created NASA. Right. Well, we said, hey, we're going to give you basically a new identity. We're going to give you a pass, and so you come work for us. Any of the bullshit that you did during you know the Nazi era is going to be we'll, we'll just look the other way and pretend like that never happened. Mm -hmm. And Except nowadays. Well, yeah, but now we, they basically, the German scientists, the Nazi scientists basically created uh, everything that NASA did, all of our spaceflight technology. Uh, the majority, I think, of our, of our post-World War II jet engine aircraft technology basically came from German scientists or Nazi, that were Nazi scientists technically. And basically a lot of our military technology after that going into the Cold War was based on a lot of the knowledge that they learned and developed during you know, World War II. They also developed the first ever assault rifle, the STG-44. 
Oh, that's true. <clears throat> Again, it came out towards the end of the war. Again, thankfully. Yeah, true. But anyways. Yeah. Uh, but what was your question again? Oh, yeah. But oh, the, no, it was just... Uh, yeah, about the scientist. But yeah, basically that happened. And, um... Fuck, I can't remember the name of the... Because they actually had a flight... They had a jet that had it. They, yeah. And, like... Even our pies were saying there was nothing they could do against it. There was nothing they could do. It was too fast, too agile. But... Eventually, it led to the biggest, I guess, spark of innovation would have been during the Cold War. Not Cold War. Um, yeah. Vietnam was part of the Cold War, right? I mean, it was Te- yes, yeah, technically. technically yeah. 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 I mean, it was us fighting <clears throat> other com- like communists, mm-hmm. you know. Which led to uh, two major aircraft, the Sabre and the, uh, the F-4 Phantom. Mm-hmm. I can't remember which, the designation number of the Sabre. Now, this is where I say America made a big fuck up. Is because at this point we were developed, we had developed Sidewinder missiles, which were able to lock on to the radar and heat. And they figured, you know what? The era of dogfights is over. They don't, we don't need machine guns on our ships anymore. So the F 4 Phantom never had an integrated machine gun on it. So it just had its missiles. You know what's and, funny? Is it, like in Ace Combat, I mean, this is kind of a side note, but in like Ace Combat, it's a flight, you know, it's a flight game or whatever. And, they they take because that like the F four if you're playing in that game it ha- they they put a machine gun on there they were like ah who cares we're just well, gonna do whatever I mean well here's the thing though <clears throat> after they after you know getting into dogfights and shit mm. they realize that the missiles aren't great they miss half the time the other half they don't blow up which is a funny story one of our missiles hit a, a MIG and didn't explode that MIG went back to uh, the Soviets. And they were able to, uh, to reverse engineer the Sidewinder missile that stayed in the ship. And now they were able to make their own radar locked on missile. Hmm, that's pretty sweet. So, <laughs> <coughs> so the, the whole fuck up with the F4 Phantom was that whole lack of a dogfighting system. Yeah. So they had to make a special pod to attach to it. So it had to have a, a machine gun. Oh, right, right, right. Yeah, so... Eventually, they learned their lesson. But the other issue is that the F-4 Phantom was supposed to be an interceptor, which is meant to be, like, chase down bombers, shit like that, and take them out. Yeah, yeah. It's not meant for dogfighting. So we used it as a dogfighter because we're stubborn. Right, right. Which is where the saber was actually shining. Yeah, yeah. But as much as I like the F-4 Phantom, I just... I don't know why. Ever since I found that out, it just rubbed me the wrong way that it was being used like that. Right. Was that a two-seater? Or was, uh, yes. Yeah, that was two-seater. a two-seater aircraft, right? Yep. Huh. Interesting. Um, but then, of course, uh, I think it was the MiG-29 or the MiG-18. I can't remember what it was called. The Fo- Fogboro? Foxboro? Yeah, that was like the NATO designation for it. Yeah. It Foxboro or Fox something. Uh, fucking put the fear of God in the Western nations. Everybody was looking at the photos and stuff and realized, oh, shit. That force is not going to be able to stand up to this thing. This thing has huge afterburner engines. Fucking can hold a shit ton of missiles, and it's fucking looks like it's armored up to hell. And like it, it was, it put the fear. Like I said, it put fear in us. Uh-huh. But that's the beauty of the fucking American military industrial Com- complex. Industrial yeah. complex. You put a project in front of us, we're going to figure it out. And that led to the creation to the most successful fighter in the history of the world, which is the F-15 Eagle. And funny story, 
there was a Soviet who defected from the USSR and took one of their Fox World and flew it to one of our bases to defect. And at that point, we studied it and realized, this thing's a piece of shit. <laughs> <clears throat> Which is funny, because if you think about that, you know, if you look at our whole system, right, as it's, set, it's mm-hmm. been set up for, for the last maybe 100 years or whatever, let's call it, we essentially, if we have a problem, like militarily-wise, they say, all right, cool. Hey guys, uh, we have this problem. We need to we need to fix it, right? We need a we need a counter to this or whatever. They say, cool. Let's throw how much? Let's see how much money we can throw at it. A number one, throw as much money as you can possible, and then see how quickly you can take with essentially money and just make whatever it is like a like the the bunker buster thing we were talking oh, about yeah. the other day. Like initially during this is going a little off, but back in the original Gulf War during the early 90s when we... When the first Desert Storm. Right, the first Desert Storm, essentially. They they didn't have, like, bunker buster, buster missiles. That, that wasn't invented and yet. And that was, like, so, Saddam's whole thing was yeah, that he had, he had all these, his top generals in bunkers. Yeah, that was how he figured out, oh, man, this is how we're going to beat if the Americans want to come fuck with us. Oh, we're just going to be in 20-foot in uh, thick concrete surrounding all of us, and none of their shit could touch us because they're not going to nuke us, right? So uh, nothing could get us. And they were pretty much right. So they basically said, hey, guys, um, we, we, don't know, we don't know how to fix this problem. So uh, they went to the you know, military industri- industrial complex and said, hey, what, what is it can you do? What, what can we do about this? And so literally, what, it took them, what, like two weeks? Uh, no, it took <clears throat> them four weeks total. It took them four weeks to create a new bomb. Transport it, test mm-hmm. it twice in two different states. One in Florida and one in um, Maryland or something like that. Mm-hmm. So we went f- from no bunker busters to testing them, painting them, paint, painting them, um, testing them, confirming that, yeah, they fucking work, and dropping them in Iraq within four weeks. That's a hell of a turnaround period. Yeah. Yeah, right? Like, it's, it's insane. And then all, uh, a lot of shit to get in a row, too. Like, yeah, because there's so many factors. Now, nobody, like, the fat electrician, there's a TikToker, a YouTuber, the fat electrician. Go check him out. He's fucking awesome. Yeah, yeah. He made a video on this, and he said it. So, we were too, they were too late to deliver the bomb, because they wanted to deliver it before the troops set foot in Afghanistan, in Iraq. But they weren't able to get it in there in time. So they dropped that bomb twice. The first one missed, but the second one was dead on. And they fucking blew that shit to pieces. And then a, a, and then a little bit after that, Iraq surrendered. So we don't know for sure if it was the fact that Saddam realized, oh shit, I'm not safe in my bunkers anymore. Or the fact that the coalition forces within that same time frame decimated his army. So we don't know which caused them to surrender, but... I think, I think oh, well, whatever the outcome... Or whatever the thing was. I mean, shit. Once you have like uh, the technology to disrupt a war like that, then maybe maybe that was kind of like kind of like the nail in the coffin too. Besides, yeah, the, true. Besides, like the manpower. Yeah, definitely. Well, I think that definitely was a factor. <laughs> There's another TikToker I follow. He's like, he said it best. We have the willpower to do what we want and defense budget to fight God. Nobody wants to smoke from us. Yeah, but isn't isn't that kind of like the irony of uh, being so heavily invested in one? Uh, I don't know if you call it, it's not it's not a like sector, a sector, yeah, yeah, like a market or whatever, like yeah. But uh, 
because that's kind of like how the Russians fell apart too, is that they put so much of their money, like every resource that they had was being put into fighting the U.S. And yeah, eventually they, colla- they collapsed against themselves. So it's but like, there's a big difference. We're not communists. <laughs> well, I think that and also... Uh, again, that's not to say that it can't happen to us because I think we because it could very easily. I mean, dude, I don't know what percentage of our, uh, what percentage of our budget like the exact it's number the, it's is. The biggest, it's the biggest, it's the biggest pie oh, piece of the pie. Yes. Like it's the biggest combined, and then the next put, five or six next to us, it's bigger than like yeah, theirs the combined. Like, like education know. itself is like point something. Minimal, it's yeah. like it's small. Um, yes, yeah, so but see, there's a reason that everyone else is able to flourish in yeah. that aspect. Like you see, European nations that can have. Huge budgets for the police, their fucking uh, education system, and all that. Yeah. The reason they can do that is because we're there too. Yeah. Our military is there to protect them, so they don't have to put their money into their military. But now they're the. I know this is getting off on a tangent. I know that's this is the part of it. Okay. Because now, now that like the um the ukraine and russian wars like happening now like a lot of country because france i think is now the largest army or the largest body of army i, I don't know what like if it's just their uh, entirety like their their I don't know, I don't know number i don't know that's true because poland uh-huh. not poland um because the uk has is there too yeah well they did leave the eu but they're still part of europe yeah well anyways but, uh, france yeah fr- france has been developing their their uh their men yeah, i suppose there's yeah but uh france is nothing but a bunch of traitors now Okay. <laughs> well, aside from that point, whatever yeah. whatever point you have about that, no, I'm just, uh, I just I just want everybody to know t- that. <laughs> I'm sure they'll appreciate <laughs> that. I can't wait for Mac Macron to hear oh, to hear oh, what, what to fucking us? three yeah. idiots <laughs> have to say. <laughs> oh, what are they gonna do? Throw their white flags at us? <laughs> hey, man, yeah. that's true. Yeah. Well, anyways, uh, so n- now that this war is going on, I think there's kind of like a renewal in in a lot of European countries to have an army or to have a fleet of. Um, Vehicles or things right, to yeah. we we the, that is a proven point because yeah Poland just dropped just paid us fifteen billion dollars to upgrade their military infrastructure. Mm. So I mean I think there's kind of like a, a rene- and not to say I don't I don't know it's hard to say if like this cold the Cold War ever ended to begin with but um, yeah it ended because there was two sides there was America and the Soviet Union one of them still around to this but thing. I'm saying like the Kremlin never I mean as right. it, it, it dissolved or whatever right but now yeah. it's like those those people that were left over still managed to cede power from uh, whoever was in charge at like after the 90s like you know obviously Putin came to power and then that guy uh, who was his puppet like Medvedev, Medvedev, yeah. Medvedev or whatever um, so they managed to like make it go back to the old ways and shit but right. anyways my main point being is that it, it seems like w- what's going on with the war is that i mean not only does it serve to benefit us like the u.s to have a buffer like a, a land buffer between us and russia right. to have all these countries and especially nato to have like a coalition of nations that uh like coincide with us or right, right. side with us but now it's like well it's not just about spending. It's not just about each individual country contributing to um, whatever NATO's budget is. Like right, for right. for for the U.S. to use that money to basically provide manpower to fight wars in 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 Europe. But like now, it's like oh, each individual country. Like what's happening with UK? It's like oh, well, shit. Maybe we should be arming ourselves because we can't have. We can't just solely rely on the U.S. to to fix our problems. Like we have to, right? And it's just interesting to see that now that we're kind of 
everybody's kind of getting back up in arms to protect themselves. Yeah, no, uh, and I it's, think it's funny they say because like there's a meme that's my absolute favorite, one of my favorites of all time. It shows a U.S. aircraft carrier. Yeah, the fucking massive things that those things are, mm-hmm. and then right next to it are like some Br- a British one, an Italian one. I want to say I don't know, mm-hmm. and I think a French one, and they're like a third of the size of our aircraft carrier. And somebody made the joke. Well, America, are you overcompensating for something? <laughs> and then the comment behind it said, yeah, weak allies. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, so like, what, kind of back to what you were saying about the, the, the whole NATO thing and all the countries and like, the buffer and them. And then kind of fran- like everybody kind of like seeing the value of bumping it up. Mm-hmm. What, one of the things is like that's always been the whole goal of NATO. And yeah. the whole point of it was they literally you have to there's like 30 countries in nato right and yeah. you literally have to spend two percent that the requirement to be in nato is you have to spend two percent of your gdp and into your military there as of 2022 there are seven of those 30 countries that actually hit that goal everyone mm. else is less than that and and the reason why this whole ukraine thing is has been everybody's like oh i don't know about contributing or blah blah because well they don't already contribute the minimum so then like how how are they gonna why are they gonna want to contribute more but now they're like seeing oh shit Okay. Or yeah. Next. Like, <laughs> if, if if Ukraine falls, there's a very good possibility that they would continue going. And you know, what are you going to do if you ain't spending the NATO minimum? And well, obviously, we, we haven't gone in and really physically bailed out, you know, Ukraine because they're not a part of NATO. But if you well, think about that, like, just show how great the infrastructure. And again, it's not NATO. That's going to be America. But mm. what was it? Not even ten hours after the first bullets were flown in Ukraine. Ukraine already got military aid. We already got all the fucking uh, military equipment from us within what ten hours. I, I don't know, yeah, but um, it's just uh, I'm sure like the U the U S was like foaming at the mouth for this to happen because it, it was like you know for them to. I'm sure any fucking uh, what, what are they called? Like those companies like Raytheon and and um, yeah, the, the military companies, right? Yeah, yeah. those military companies to. Because it's like, dude, when there's a period of peace, like, what the fuck are those guys doing? It's like, okay, cool. Now well, we no, have no. something. In wartime, yeah, yeah, they make a shit ton of money. Yeah. But in peacetime, they still make money because we still need that equipment for peacekeeping. Okay, peacekeeping, right. Yeah, uh, true. Yeah, quote, unquote. Okay, it's right. Quote, yeah, unquote. Air, the, the heavy air, the heavy air quotes there. Uh, but the main point being is that... Uh, I guess I see a point where did the Cold War really end? Because yeah. we're still fucking with the Russia every chance we get. Yeah. Uh, but... Aside from that, like getting talking about um, shit, what was I on about? Oh, those companies. Yeah, yeah. I'm sure all those were like foaming at the the mouth for Russia and Ukraine. To I know that sounds kind of like uh, it's it's we're capitalist. Inc- we know what you mean. It, it's <laughs> inconsiderate of like because how do I word this? Because this is going to make it sound like we're we don't really care about the plight of Ukraine, right? But. For no, no, those we, companies in the U.S. We don't care, and we do care. Right. We don't care that they went invaded the Ukraine. It's in our interest, basically. It's in our interest to make sure the Russia doesn't take it. Yeah. But at the same time, what the people are failing to realize, mm. if we put all this into it, and if we do put boots on the ground, mm. we're not leaving Ukraine. Yeah. We're not leaving. Yeah. I mean, every country we've, we've basically, well, not every country, but most of the countries we've invaded throughout our history of America... There is a permanent military presence there. I mean, still. But so I mean, that's not all bad to right. That's not because I mean, shit. We have we have presence in Korea too, like South Korea. Yeah, we have presence Japan, everywhere. Yeah, everywhere. You know. So it's not like it doesn't seem. Uh, well, here's a again, like there's a good reason. 
we're not doing it because we want to take over those countries. Mm. We do it because we want bases there. We want yeah, yeah. to have a presence there. Yeah. Because the way the system sits it right now, the moment any fucker out there declares war or starts talking shit, mm-hmm. we're going to have boots on the ground within 18 hours. Yeah. Because that's how good our fucking logistical system is. Yeah, it's like uh, during the Cold War, like Turkey, we had missiles placed there, and right. the Russians had Cuba as like a as a base of well not a base of opera but they had they had missiles placed there obviously to to make the the journey of the missile so much shorter and right to but yeah just and kind of going back to your point about the whole cold war you know thing and it was how yeah okay like frank said okay one well there was america versus soviet union and only one of those things still exists today right but i think that the difference being yeah we were spending russia was spending probably the same if not more than us on its military and defense budgets but I think the difference being, and we're kind of seeing this today with the whole Ukraine war, is is the fact that they don't they they never mastered the logistical concept, basically of of taking stuff and moving it from point A to point B. So like, we we literally invaded after nine eleven. I mean, we invaded a, a country halfway across the world and destroyed it within a matter of you know months, right? From when a, that event happened, we basically went there and deposed the Taliban government within what a couple months. After uh, we did that, Russia literally invaded a country that borders it and they lost large armored columns because they ran out of gas. Like not because they were destroyed. I don't don't think. Okay, I I don't mean to fact check because I I I don't know the exact information. But I mean, I know what you're saying as far as the U.S. getting involved with Iraq and Afghanistan. But note that it didn't take months because i mean how long did it take us to get osama bin laden it was like right right well yeah yeah. i'm saying i'm saying the fact of invading a country and then removing the government that was in charge and that took like two or three years from them to overtake iraq no no, we took no i'm talking i'm talking about afghanistan so like when we invaded afghanistan really if you think about the government of we, we kind of basically deposed even the government of of iraq within you know a couple of months, we took over basically the whole country of us fucking Remember, actually going in and invading us it actually now. fighting their forces took us a couple months. Right. Yeah. Us well, fighting their freedom fighters, their insurgencies. Right. That's is what held us there. Right. That's 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 what we were fighting. We were fighting Al Qaeda, or we were fighting. Um, Later know, on, ISIS. What's, what's the other one? Yeah, ISIS is the other one. So because we, when we can fight when we can fight a group, like oh, they're wearing military uniforms. They're wearing the uniforms of our enemy. We know who to kill. In Afghanistan, we literally had to go, hey, are you an insurgent? Hey, are you an insurgent? <laughs> are you an insurgent? <laughs> yeah. And if they said no, we couldn't do anything. So and it's like they're holding back. an AK-47 and saying, ah, oh, I'm not an insurgent. Well, mm-hmm. We can't do anything about can't, it. Can't, yeah. can't shoot them. Until but, they shoot us. So again, we, right. fighting guerrilla warfare and conventional warfare, yeah, guerrilla warfare is harder on us because we, we have all these rules about injuring civilians and shit like that. And again, we're probably the only country in the world that actually follows this. Right. But then if you go into conventional warfare, they're so soldier, these are soldiers. All right, uh, 40 bombs right over there. Thank you. Yeah. So there's a difference between conventional warfare and guerrilla warfare. And guerrilla warfare is insanely harder, especially for a country that values... Save- I know we do a lot of bombings, but we our, our doctrine is not to kill civilians. Especially right. since we now allow media people to tag along with our, our military forces. Yeah. Right. Okay. So essentially, just to go back to the Afghanistan, just so we have actual factual. Yes, because I don't want to go. Right, I don't, exactly. don't want to say shit. So nine yeah. eleven happened, right? Y- yes. Okay. Less than thirty days later, on October seventh of two thousand one, was when we invaded uh, Afghanistan. Okay. So yeah. and then December seventeenth, two thousand one, is the official date that they put of when we de- we 
drove the Taliban out of power. The Taliban no so longer took had year. power. No, it's December seventeenth of two thousand one. So it took three. Oh, months, okay, okay. Or two months. It took yeah, about two months and ten days. It took for us to basically overthrow a current government. thriving government halfway across the world. And like going back to the original point of like yeah, Russia couldn't. It, it's it's been what? God, how long has it been? Has it been yeah. like eighteen months now going on? Yeah. Or it's, been, it's over year and a half. Yeah, year and it's, a half. It's, it's close to that. It's, close, yeah. it's getting close to eighteen months. And they haven't even taken the entire country of Ukraine yet. Yeah, that's a bad sign, dude, when like they haven't even made it. Uh, not to say they haven't made a dent because they've obviously done damage. But when they haven't advanced beyond the borders right. of like uh, the Ukraine um, after 18 months, now, it's like, shit, only, that doesn't that doesn't sound promising. Only that, no, it doesn't. They're being pushed back. Yeah. Yeah. Now, since this whole mutiny thing that happened, like, yeah, they've even so, lost ground. I don't know what's going. I I haven't really like. I just heard something about the Wagner Group or oh, some yeah. shit. So I don't. I'm not really sure what's going on. Oh, good. Let's talk about that because yeah. that's a well, good topic. That let's go back real quick because yeah. I kind of want to oh. bring this up. All right. Okay. okay. Remember, like we were talking about with Russia, their tanks were running out of fuel 50 miles from the Russian border. Mm-hmm. That's how bad their logistical system is. Yeah. During World War II, when we were fighting in Japan. <laughs> There were Japanese soldiers who were starving. They were not even 20 miles from their own homes. And they were starving in the field. Mm. And they look over to the other side of the field. And what do they see? Fucking Americans with flamethrowers and fucking ice cream. That's how good <laughs> our fucking logistical system is. Our soldiers were having ice cream halfway across the other fucking side of the world. Yeah, they literally built these three ships specifically just so we could have, they could send ice cream to the <laughs> Pacific front. And they were literally these frozen container ships. That's all they did was just literally deliver ice cream. And it's like, yeah, dudes, you're you're starving in basically your own backyard, and you see dudes with like shooting flamethrowers and literally eating ice cream. Like, man, you'd, you'd be like, that demoralizes you so quick, man. Um, and then <clears throat> to even bring him closer to a modern thing, as you heard about the whole quagmire, or not quagmire, just the whole fucked up situation was about us pulling out of Afghanistan, and people were like to mock us, like, oh, we did a horrible thing because we left a lot of equipment behind. Yeah, we did. But yeah, it was bad, but. Again, they, their shit ran out of fuel 50 miles from their own border. We transported over 100,000 people and integrated them into other countries within, that, within a couple of days. Again, there's a big, huge difference in how logistics works. Yeah. True, true. Anyways, going back to the Wagner thing, let's talk about that for a minute. If you have any more to say yeah, about that, yeah. okay. All right, so basically what essentially happened is this is the timeline as I observed it, okay, as I saw it go down. Because I, I kind of saw this go down live through, like, Twitter and, and Instagram people that yeah. were there and, like, people that were – and also on uh, – what is that other one? Telegram. There were uh, some – there's some things that are – what are they called? Threads or sure. groups or whatever, whatever sure, that yeah, you yeah. follow. So they basically started out with – on whatever the morning of this happened uh, – I don't remember the exact date. But basically the Russian military attacked – a Wagner group like position. All right. They attacked it. Just to clarify who's, uh, who's Wagner. Uh, okay. So Wag Wagner, if our Wagner group, they're a private military corporation from Russia. They have been basically supplementing the Russian military in the whole war on Ukraine. So they, they've been using them as essentially, in my opinion, they've been essentially just using them as cannon fodder and just been like, Hey, all the impossible things that the Russian military didn't want to spend the manpower resources and lives to go take. They send them because, Wagner Wagner has been recruiting from like the prisons and all that stuff saying, hey, if you come and do a year or two years or whatever the contract is that we're going to sign you up for, the the Russian government will commute your sentence and you'll you'll be free. And so they've literally just taken murderers, fucking rape it, like all the horrible people that just want to get out of jail. Yeah. And they've 
in court. Now, that's not the entirety of their company, but there are certain aspects of their company that are that's 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 the main force of of that of specific units is yeah it's all prison prisoners that are just there to try to get rid of their sentence but more than likely they've been they've been sending them to like suicide missions essentially so they all die anyways but uh okay so that's what wagner is so the guy who runs it he his name's Prigozhin. he is he's a former like you know he's in the russian military and all that stuff he's kind of been buddies with Putin and all that. They they were, he was kind of in the KGB a little bit at one time. I don't know, his history is a little weird to try to figure out, like, an official history of him. So, but anyways, he has this company. He has contracts with the Russian government. In the Ukraine, they've utilized them when the Russian military kind of stalled. They kind of utilized them to supplement the forces of the Russian military. So they've been taking like that Bakhmut or whatever, or whatever the hell it's called. They, they basically sent them there because the Russian military couldn't make progress. And within, I think it was a couple of weeks, the Wagner group was already, they were moving forward and making gains that the military had never done. So they, the Russian military... Uh, are launched like an artillery attack against a position that was a Wagner like fortified kind of forward position uh, within the closer to the front lines and killed a bunch of dudes uh, blew up some equipment you know that sort of thing so Prigozhin basically allegedly he says sends a thing to the guy who's the head of the Russian Ministry of Defense and says hey what, what the fuck like what you guys just bombed one of our positions like what the hell he didn't really get the response that he wanted. I don't know what the response was. So then he just said, fuck this. They're, they're, they're fucking killing us. Fuck them. They don't want to give us ammo. They don't want to give us fuel. They don't want to give us shit that we need to fight the war. And now they're killing our own guys. Fuck that. We're going. So he, he grabbed all of the Wagner forces, basically, that were in the Ukraine, which was like, it was, this, it was like, yeah, 25,000 dudes. And they basically all just drove in this huge armored column in, back into Russia. They drove back into Russia and they were headed towards Moscow because they he basically had said, hey, I'm going to kill this fucking dude who's the, the head of the Russian military. He mm. put out and, and it was kind of funny because he was putting out like promo videos <laughs> of him talking shit this whole time. Like the, he started out, he was in like full, full combat gear and they went and they went back into Russia and they took over this one town that's like a heavy military hub mm-hmm. and he's there they're high-fiving all the dudes that are there they're all, all of them are betraying the russians saying oh yeah man we're joining up with wagner we're going to moscow we're going to take this shit and so during the whole process putin kind of left he it's it looks like he went uh out of don't know if he left the country but he, he fell back to his like private residence or whatever i guess or wherever he has his hold up fort in case you know shit goes down and basically the dude who's the president of the uh belarus lukashenko yeah you, yeah he basically brokered some deal with Prigozhin to say hey man just stop you know just stop and so during this time the the russian armored column as it's driving through they were attacked like the russian military attacked them a couple of times and wagner shot down like some of their helicopters and you know they there wasn't too many or there weren't too many incursions between the Russian military and Wagner during this whole march. They were just, yeah, go ahead. Go back. Go yeah, because they, they were the Russian military, the people that they were encountering were just like, yeah, fuck it, dude, go for it. Like, we're kind of done with this, it seems like. And so now that this has ended and there was a deal that was brokered, we still don't know what the actual deal is that they made. I mean, it's generally uh, Prigozhin's now kind of banished to Belarus. He's going to stay there. Wagner's kind of taken a, a backseat in terms of 
being part of the Russian military. The the deal supposedly of what was being rumored was that Prigozhin wanted to essentially become. He wanted the guy who was the head of the Mush, the Russian Ministry of Defense fired. He wanted him ousted. Which he, they didn't agree to. Right? Which uh, it, it seems like that guy's still in charge now. Uh, anyways, but that was supposed to be the deal, and then he's banished to Belarus, and and they were gonna kind of take back. It, it really didn't seem like he got anything that he wanted out of this whole deal. So I was like, why would he fucking stop? So my theory. Now this is again just a theory, being you know an uninformed and an idiot. My kind of theory on the on the situation was that I think Putin is getting ready to do some shit in Afghanistan. He wants to do some hardcore shit, or not Afghanistan, I'm sorry, uh, Ukraine. He wants to do some shit, and he needs to make sure that anybody who's potentially a traitor is out of his ranks. So, because I have a, I don't, I don't believe for a second that you could perform a mutiny of this magnitude and the Russians would allow you to live. I don't, I don't think that's something that is possible with the way that they do things and the way that they've done things in the past. I mean, you know, you hear all these people that f- criticize the government and they f- they all they fall out of windows, you know, on high-rise buildings. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, or, you know, commit suicide in the middle of a monitor jail cell. Right, yeah. So, <laughs> now they don't do that in America. Yeah, no. Uh, but... <laughs> Only if you talk shit about the Kennedys. That's true. Not Clintons. But, uh, but, but if... Now we're going to be throwing out windows. Eh, that's cool, man. We, we would live a good life. We lived long enough. I'm tired of living anyway. Uh, so... I kind of think that they were that this was kind of pre-planned, and they said, "Hey, let's see who's going to join up with you." Because now there's there's rumors of of like all those dudes that were the heads of these organizations and these units, these military units that that said they were supporting Wagner. That a lot of them have been like disappeared, like they don't really nobody really knows where they went or what happened to them. So this could have been one of those art of war type situations where it's like, "Oh, I'm going to suss out my own traitorous people by doing this fake mutiny," and then get rid of them so that way now i have full loyalty within my own ranks i don't have to worry about any dissension because everybody sees now even if the guys that didn't quote unquote join up they see now oh this is what happens if you join up with a mutiny is you you get disappeared you get made an example out of so i kind that's my kind of theory on the situation i don't know how accurate it is but i mean shit it kind of makes sense if i was in charge if i was in charge of that whole situation so you're saying wagner was a ruse to to rat out to suss out yeah. anybody who was willing to be a like a traitor who who would support the overthrow of the government. Essentially, a red herring. Yeah, kind of. It's it was a it was they did their own like false flag mutiny essentially to see who would join up, and then anybody that joined up was just and and you know the Russians have done this. This is a typical because uh, I looked a lot of this stuff up, and this is a typical kind of KGB maneuver that the Russians have done throughout their entire history. I mean, just if you just look back during through the Cold War, even through World War II, uh, they they did this shit a lot. They would have anyone that they thought might have been a traitor, they would have a loyalist start a mutiny, and then anyone that joined up, they would just get killed. And so there's historical precedence for this being something that they use. Putin is a former KGB, KGB guy, yeah. and so it makes sense that he would still utilize, because he still does utilize a lot of those Soviet-era KGB kind of tactics to this day. So it, it does make sense in tracks that, hey, maybe this is something that would kind of fit the narrative of like, oh, we'll, we'll make this fake bullshit up and then see who joins up and then fucking, you know, get rid of them. So I don't know. Or it could have been a legitimate thing and, you know, maybe Prigozhin just didn't, he, he maybe he realized he fucked up and now he's like, ah, oh, great, now I'm going to, because he claims that the reason why he stopped was because they said they, the Russian government had threatened his, his family or whatever. And I'm like, yeah, what the fuck did you think was going to happen? You know, I mean, that, does, that excuse to me doesn't hold up because it's like, if they're going to threaten your family, 
and they're gonna you know they're gonna kill you anyways you know you if you were doing this mutiny for real you know that's what's gonna happen you're gonna die there's no way you and your family are gonna be allowed to survive right it's just under no circumstances do i feel like that would be a possibility so it's like fuck it you already went this far might as well see if you can go all the way you're gonna die anyways might as well right so the fact that he stopped so short of moscow and kind of it's like they sussed out all it seems like they sussed out all the traitors fairly quickly and now they're like good fucking let's get rid of those guys you will be serve a banishment in belarus because again it doesn't make sense why would they have the belarusian president fucking broker this deal it doesn't even make fucking sense i don't know it's it's very sketchy and well the fact that the guy's still alive it's like well i i feel like it kind of i want to say it disproves your Mm -hmm. theory somewhat or because you're saying that Anybody that would provoke a mutiny would be dead, right? And this guy is obviously still alive. Because he was probably in on it. That's what I'm saying. Like, if he was in but on it But what could beginning. they offer him that, like, because if you're talking about getting citizenship or whatever bullshit that they're getting out of it, I mean, how de- how sweet can the deal be that it's enough for him to still well, pledge loyalty yeah, or whatever? Because so, so it's not enough. <laughs> here's, maybe, here's maybe what I also kind of think happened, too, a little bit, is uh, I think that there was there's already been there was already tension between Wagner and the military right it was already kind of tension between them in that regard with the way that Wagner didn't think the whole company really didn't think they were being treated fairly in terms of like the deal and with what they were doing and putting out as a product right with their war fighting capabilities that they were using in but Ukraine at the same time they had it better than the actual Russian army sure yeah they had a like better in a lot of situations However, they were getting put kind of on the front lines. They were getting kind of put into the suicide type missions. They're like, hey, it's the typical Russian tactic. We're going to throw as many guys as we can at possible at it. And eventually you're going to. It's not even our guys. Right. Yeah. It's not even our guys. These are just dudes we hired. So I think that there was a lot of tension there already. And maybe potentially a certain three lettered agency of the United States of America. Maybe they potentially reached out to him and said, hey, you're a mercenary group. So like you work for the highest bidder. So like, hey, maybe we'll pay you a bunch of under the table black money, black ops money. And uh, you can maybe rise up and kill Putin for us. Maybe that would be something you'd be interested in doing. And so maybe he maybe it's a possibility. Maybe he, he said, OK, cool. But then he went to Putin because they are you know friendly and said, hey, this certain American three lettered agency offered me a shit ton of money. Uh, what kind of deal you got that's better for me? And maybe he's maybe he said, "Cool, take the money, and then I'll pay you more money." And then what we'll do is we'll see who joins up with you, and then whoever does, okay, cool, we'll we'll just take them out. And then you, this is your exit strategy. This is your exit plan. You've just gotten all this money now. You know, you don't really need to be in charge of Wagner anymore because the money is irrelevant because you're basically now super. You're amongst the oligarchs now, essentially in in terms of wealth because he. You know, obviously, you'd have to pay a guy a lot of money to do some bullshit like this. So you pay him the money. He says, cool, I'm going to go take me and my family. We're going to go live in Belarus from, from now on. And uh, he's cool with that. And cool, now he can retire. Now he's retired, basically. So maybe this was his last uh, last play. He wanted to get out. He's been running, essentially, a war in, with, with Wagner for, what, over a year? And yeah, and that shit wears on you. He's not a young dude, uh, Prigozhin. So maybe he got tired and said, shit, man, maybe it's time for me to exit strategy this. And they're offering me this money to to do some shit, and then I can gracefully like have an excuse to leave. And it's not like, oh, we're all looking looking good and making a making it look good for the camera that we kissed and made up now, essentially. And so now, but all the other underlings of the mutiny that joined up, those guys, you, you don't hear about those guys, and those guys just got probably fucking dead by now. Yeah, exactly. I'm sure they've been killed, and that's where it's like, okay, that's okay, how but, you make this deal. Uh, so yeah, there, there. Maybe there's people that don't uh, find themselves 
in alliance with like well, I mean, look the, at all, sorry, go ahead. the the Russian government. But dude, like they're I'm kind of curious because I've been thinking about this a lot, and I don't know yeah. anything about like warfare or anything like right. that. But there has to be a point where the <laughs> the Russians are like damaging themselves to the point of like generations, right. where their their population is being so heavily depleted yeah. that uh, and maybe maybe that's not even the case. I don't know how many men they've burned through, and that's like not to say they, that I don't, I don't have they, any sympathy for they've that. They lost but, more men hmm. than we lost in all of our Afghanistan and Iraq. Hmm. They've lost more than that in a couple of days. Yeah. I mean, yeah. All the numbers we lost in 20 years in Afghanistan and 20 plus years now in Iraq are way less than what they've lost in the last year just in the Ukraine. But I imagine like they have to be setting themselves for a disastrous future when their like workforce is well, well, that's, yeah. well like, like pretty much like uh-huh. I can talk about that for a second. So just to talk about that demo- population and demographics, well, essentially. So Russia. Well, can I, oh, sure. But uh, uh, to what you're saying, Adam, yes, it could probably happen like that, but Putin doesn't care. At this point, I don't, I'll, okay, I'm not going to say I don't know the man, so I don't know how he actually thinks, but at this point, Russia has been a boogeyman to the world since the Cold War. Everyone has feared the Russian military. Everyone has feared them. They are losing a war. They are now losing a war against the poorest country in Europe. He needs to save face. Or else Russia's image is already down, but it's it's always been bad, but it's never been like it's always been bad. Oh, they're evil, they're evil. <laughs> yeah. But now it's bad because oh shit, they're losing to farmers. Yeah, and so one of the things that it going back to what you're talking about about demographics and population type type stuff. So like China's kind of in the same boat too here, where or like with Russia, they don't they don't really have a millennial generation. Neither does China. They, well, especially China because of the whole one-child policy thing. But the Russia, they have a small millennial population. But for whatever reason, they have not their, their population frame where America was making millennials. They really didn't. They weren't. They weren't hitting it hard because that was really when the Soviet Union kind of fell around that time when the, these millennial type people are born. That era was the end of the Soviet Union and like going into the new quote-unquote Russian democracy era. Right. That's mid eight or early 80s to like early 90s that like millennial generation right well yeah also gotta remember, so though, also gotta remember stalin fucked up his own population himself well yeah but that that's that that it's been it had been long enough to where and they they had enough people to where it didn't really matter until now so the way it works in russia is there's there's like six or seven points there's key points on its on its western flank that it borders with nato that it that Russia needs to control if it's going to have ever have any kind of like hope of stopping an invasion from the West, if it were to ever come. And now because of their population graphic and how it's, it's so their, their trees like inverted, basically this is essentially the last generation that they have. They're going to have the manpower with people to be able to suffer the losses of some kind of a major war. So this is really it for them because if they, they don't have the numbers to support, you know, 20 years from now, even if there was no war going on in Ukraine, they wouldn't have the numbers to really uh, fight a major war. So they've got it right now. This is like their last chance, which is why I think they invaded the Ukraine to begin with, because their kind of backs are up against the wall and they need to do something because once they control these like seven points, then they could do it with what the population, if you control those choke points essentially for access, then you can do it. And now in the Ukraine, I think there's either three or four of those seven points are in the country of Ukraine. So you can basically 
take control of half of those if you take over the Ukraine. Now, there are some that there's the other three are in other bordering various countries. Like Scandinavian yeah, countries. Yeah, well, like it's like I think Poland is, I think Poland has one. Finland, uh, maybe. And then there's a, I think there's one uh, to the uh, south of Ukraine. And that's, that has, the one that, that's the one that hurts them the most right now because Finland, Finland just joined NATO. It happened a couple months ago. And right. That, so, that was, according to all the military analysts that I saw, that that was a devastating blow to the Russians. Right, because then if they need, because that's a, one of the capture points essentially that they need to take to to stop to stop gap any kind of like Western invasion. If we just decided one day, fuck it, we're tired of Russia, we're just going to invade them, they wouldn't be able to stop us. Now, if they didn't control these points because they don't have the the population to support defending it, itself, essentially. So when it comes to their population, back to what you were saying about yeah, they're they're fucking population numbers are kind of fucked up so um, they, oh, yeah they they that's why that's my uh, that's kind of my thought on the matter of why they potentially invaded it now because the, the 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 russians haven't been invading ukraine just now this isn't a new thing i mean they started in like 2013 or 2014 when they took that the, all the regions that they are fighting over now they the russians took those and just annexed them and said well this this is our land. You, you know what's funny? Uh-huh. Uh, when you're talking about that point in 2013, a hundred years ago, they, there was a war called the Crimean War, uh-huh. which was basically the exact same thing that happened a hundred years later, 2013, right? Where yeah. uh, Russia was trying to seize like Crimea, or however you pronounce it. Yeah, and it yeah, was like it was a lot of European countries versus Russia. Um, and then the exact same thing happens a hundred years later. So it's like every hundred years. It's like well, the same shit. The cycle well, repeats, remember, basically. There's that old saying that history is doomed to repeat itself. Yeah. Yeah, watermelon. Hmm. That's pretty good. Yeah. Um, anyway, so, yeah, if you look at that factor and kind of you can see like, okay, the Russians and China is kind of the same boat with this whole thing which with Taiwan. Why, which is why we're speculating that they're going to evade Taiwan soon. Right. I mean, it, yeah, it has been my speculation that they because, again, China and Russia are, are allied. Right. So, so now they're now they're tied in monetarily because of yeah, this whole the BRICS. I, that's the thing I don't get. Alliance. How does the world, the people who um, side with Russia value their relationship with Russia when with the whole invasion of Ukraine, they've proven that they won't follow their own contracts, their own treaties. Right. That's true, because I don't know if you knew this, but uh, originally when the Soviet Union fell, right. There was, it was Ukraine and it was... Basically all the countries that weren't Russia. Two, yeah, there was like Satellite two nations? Three, yeah, okay, so there were two other regions when the Soviet Union fell. These regions broke off. So Ukraine was, was the one of them. Yeah, it was Romania. This, yeah, yeah Belarus. So Belarus, yeah, I think it was Belarus. Yeah, some of the Baltic states. Okay, so they all broke uh, off, right? The big one that we got from that one was, uh, <clears throat> which became, honestly, one of our best allies in Europe was, um, that fuck, like, uh, uh, Oh, it's in the Baltic Sea. Estonia? Estonia. There yeah. Go. That was a that was like one of back then, that was like one of our oh shit, we, we finally got a good one. Because they were right next to Russia and they were easy for us to transport military equipment to. Right. And so one of the reasons one of the reasons that uh, we were involved with this nuclear proliferation treaty that happened after the Cold War is because Russia had a shit ton, or Soviets had a shit ton of nukes, right? So what's funny is of all their storage facilities, the Ukraine had the largest. So the Ukraine, the country of the Ukraine had a large majority of Russian I nuclear know, missiles. You, I don't mean to cut so, you off real uh-huh. quick, but quick question. Yeah. I've noticed it with me and you and not with Adam. Adam refers to Ukraine as Ukraine, but me and you keep referring as the Ukraine. The Ukraine. Oh, I don't know. This is what I, I don't know, how I call it. I don't know. I don't know. I just noticed that. I was like, wait, why, why, why do we call it? 
Is it kind of like the whole California accent where oh, maybe. where we say the, the 91? Yeah. yeah. Hmm. That, could be, that could be it. Maybe. I don't know. So anyway, so there was this whole treaty that took place afterwards that said, hey, listen, you countries that are breaking off that have nukes, because they all had some form of nuclear weapons, you're going to turn those in essentially, and the United States and Russia are going to guarantee your sovereignty in exchange for giving us these nuclear weapons. So... The Ukraine giving up its its stockpile of nuclear weapons as a new young nation said, okay, we're going to turn these into you guys, and you're going to do whatever with them. But in exchange, because that's the whole reason the, the Ukraine and those other countries wanted to keep the nukes is because, again, that's a great deterrent, is if you have a nuclear weapon, no one's going to try to fuck with you and take you back. Yeah. But Russia was supposed to be the one to guarantee that they would have a sovereign, that be a sovereign nation. Now they've been invading it and taking pieces and doing all this shit, basically breaking the treaty, which that's something not a lot of people know about. I didn't know about that until I was researching something and then something popped up with that and I said, oh, what a bunch of assholes. They were literally signers on the treaty that said that they would ensure in perpetuity that the Ukraine and these other five nations or whatever that, that turned in their nuclear weapons that that was the deal. You turn in the nuclear weapons and we will we will guarantee your sovereignty. And if anyone tries to stop you from being a sovereign nation, we will come in and take it and, and stop them. We will stop them from doing that so you can maintain sovereignty. And now they're the ones that are coming in and trying to make them back in Russia and lose their sovereignty, essentially. So it's ironic and it's funny. Yeah, it is. To be because fair, it's though, like and a, not to be fair, fuck Russia. But, um, but yeah. it's funny how we, agree, we also agree to protect them, but we have no boots on the ground. But we're giving them a shit ton of military aid. Yeah, dude, that right. has this has to be some real wild shit to cuz you know, in no I think you know, prior to any previous war or skirmish in like the world, this has to be the most documented piece of uh warfare in like the history of mankind cuz it's like first it's first hand footage of like soldiers and shit. It's it's like news reporters, but it's drone footage. It's like the craziest shit ever, dude. I, I oh, yeah. it's, it's wild. Funny, it's funny you say that. I just I read about this the other day. I don't know if you heard about it. So they they were, uh the Ukraine tried to do a missile strike on one of these like uh Russian bases and they kept missing. And the Russian uh uh news media kept coming, oh yeah they missed it by hundreds of miles. Blah, 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 blah. And they kept like, okay we missed it by that many. All right. Lose that. They missed it by 25 miles. They don't know what they're doing. They hit us. Oh, my God. They hit us. <laughs> they literally were adjusting based off the, the Russian news media reporting on it. Oh, shit. That's hilarious. Yeah, that is pretty hilarious. Um, yeah, but like I said, uh, this whole thing has to be like a very fun military exercise for all those uh, it, military it, companies. And it's great, too, because oh, yeah. um, um, we, cause it's been great for us. Mm. Not great for us, our, our wallet, because we've been giving them way too much money. Uh, so, uh, I, I've, if I may quickly in, in interject, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, apparently, like the cost of the cost of whatever is going on overseas is not. It's not even a dent in like the U.S. budget. It's like point oh, yeah. zero one of a penny like, yeah, or something it's like, like nothing. It's, yeah. it's, it's spend, literally nothing. What was it? What are we at now? Like 800 billion on our military? Yeah, we spend approximately I think it's like 750 billion dollars is like a, the, the close number. It's like 755 yeah. maybe, but I don't know exactly, but yeah. as of 2022, yeah, we they spent They say by 2030 we're going to pass a trillion on that. <clears throat> yeah. Well, I mean, well now the new budget for 2023 or whatever had they changed it where now we're instead of spending I think we spent 3.5% of our GDP, now it's dropping down I think to like 2.8. But Still, I mean, that's a lot of fucking money. We spend almost a trillion dollars in one year just on military shit. And what's funny is if you look at the stuff like that we're sending to Ukraine, 
We're not sending them new shit. Top of the line new technology. We're sending them surplus shit from literally from the Cold War. Like, if I go back to the point I was trying to make, like all our shit was theoretical. Like the javelin missile system. Sorry, the javelin missile system. Yeah, we know it can destroy a tank. We don't know if it can destroy a Russian tank. Thanks to the Ukraine, we now know for a fact it can destroy any fucking thing they send to us. Our fucking Patriot missile system. It's a system we created in the 70s to protect, you know, oh, missile detected. We shoot a counter missile at it. It's all these fucking things. Again, we made it in the 70s. It just shot down the Russian hypersonic missile. Uh, which is, was a, what's the speed again? Like 100 miles a second? No, it's not. A, it's like, I don't remember what the designation is to make something hyper from super, the difference between what's supersonic, right? Which is, which is faster than the speed of sound. I don't know what the designation cutoff is for to become hypersonic. I don't know if it's if it's five times the speed of sound or if it's whatever. Uh, Frank's looking it up. But anyways, what's funny about that is, yeah, that's like the five new, times faster than the speed of okay, sound. Okay, so I was right. So it is five times faster than the speed of sound. So, so no, no, that's about 3,852 miles per hour. Yeah. Three and now the Russians hours. claimed it was three times faster than that. And then, so, the Patriot missile system, which was made to shoot down conventional missiles, just shot that motherfucker down. Their unstoppable missile is more than stoppable. And you know, that's one of the things that I, 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 I we were kind of talking about this the other day too about if you have this hypersonic missile, right? Yeah, it can go fast as fuck. Okay, that's cool, but it can't maneuver for shit because they just they have Yeah, it's just it's just a straight line as fast as it can go, right? But with the way our missile anti missile systems work, it's literally all just math. So you plug in how fast the thing's going. And what direction it's traveling, and since it has to go at a straight line, the the intersect there's an intersection point for when when that missile will hit, right? Mm-hmm. So all we have to do is just the computer just calculates what the inter- interception point would be, and it launches the missile when that missile's at whatever the, it needs to hit at, and then yes, just with math, it'll you know it'll just eventually collide with it. You know what I'm saying? So it doesn't. Our missile system doesn't need to go three thousand miles an hour. Right, it's not. It, it's not rocket science. Right, it, it literally is rockets. <laughs> no, it's a counter to rocket yeah. science. It's opposite rocket science. Like, if you and think then, about it, yeah. Here's the funny thing too: is the one thing that uh, uh, nobody actually fucking figured out is that this system, if you target it, that's when it works the best. Because then, oh, you're coming at me. I know exactly the way you're coming. So fuck you. Yeah, so it's like if they wanted to use that to try to now, delete the system. You know what's more? You know what is more luck. devastating than that fucking hypersonic missile? What's that? Fucking flying dragon. Oh yeah, yeah. I was gonna I say that. so, uh, and I don't, I don't know if this has been used in previous years of uh, warfare and world events, but I have seen footage of Russian. This shit was wild, dude. Like this, because you think about like the context of what this will mean for the future. Yeah. Um, there, there was like a drone that was following like a Russian soldier. Hmm. Uh, oh, the one well, that was dropping the grenades? Well, there was that, but there was also a Russian soldier like basically oh. bargaining with yeah, yeah. the fucking drone. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And like, I was trying like, to surrender to the drone, yeah. Yeah, I was like, dude, that is fucking wild, dude. Because in let's say in 10 or 20 years when, uh, let's say like war, because ironically, the Simpsons predicted it again because mm-hmm. uh, <laughs> there was like a whole thing about the well when bart goes to like the military academy there yeah, yeah, yeah. there's like a whole speech that the the guy gives he's like oh um 
He's like, in the future, you won't be fighting the wars yourselves. You'll be maintaining the robots that fight, fight the war. <laughs> yeah, and, and I'm like, damn, that that is kind of true now, especially especially now because with these drones. Yeah, with the drones and shit. I'm like, dude, wait. Uh, pretty much like Metal Gear Solid Four is pretty much the future that like yeah. ready because motherfucker, you beat me to it. Yeah, I was about to say a weapon to surpass Metal Gear. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, dude, because you've seen like what MIT's doing, right? Yeah. With like the you mean Boston Dynamics. Boston Dynamics, yeah. <laughs> um, but Boston's bu- building like art of art of. What would you like call the, them? Like those robot dogs, and right? Yeah. And I'm I like, dude, that's I'm like, that's the future, dude. That's that's gonna be weaponized. Well, already, I mean, yeah. it already is. Look at the um, the Predator drones, and then the the, the the new one that just came out, the B21 Raider, our new bomber. Mm-hmm. It's completely unmanned. Yeah. Um, yeah, and it's and it's. I think it's gonna be majority probably piloted by like AI. Yeah. Because that's we, gonna be the next step. Because right now, um, one of the documents I was not documents, but one of the strategies I was reading was that. Um, the next replacement for the F-22 Raptor, uh, sure, the, people say the F-35 is the replacement. No, it's not. Um, the F-, the F uh, whatever they're going to call it, supposedly it's going to be a whole uh, drone-based system where it's one plane with several drones flying with it as its own squadron. And one of them is going to be a pilot. The other ones are going to be connected to that pilot. So it maneuver- So basically he's able to control the drones. And the reason they're saying is that because we're no... The, the time for an AI to outpilot a human isn't close enough for it to happen for, in our lifetime. Mm-hmm. They say, but you know how technology is. Right. So, there, so that's the thing that there's always going to be a pilot, whether it be in the cockpit or back home in the base controlling it, but there's always going to be a pilot until AI can outperform a human, which they say is a while off, but at the same time, I doubt it's that far off. Yeah. But... That's both scary and awesome. Yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah. like like I was saying, dude, uh, if MIT is making uh, like synthetic animals that uh, who knows what the fuck they're doing with oh, that. Oh, yeah. And then if there was a there was a thing that I saw, I don't know if you saw it too or we were talking about it or we, we, maybe we watched it together, but there was this thing about the, there was this, this AI system that was oh, yeah. to, to target like people, right? <laughs> to like figure out like whatever. So they had these this, Marines. This proves that Metal Gear Solid was right. Yeah, so so they have these like these Marines, right? And so literally, they said, "All right, Marines, like there's like ten of them," and they said, "All right, here's your, here's your tasking. We're gonna give you uh, a job, and your job is gonna be that you have to go from this point to this point and remain undetected detected. as a human being by this thing." So they went. And they, this like, thing had been. Oh, they um, had trained this thing up yeah. like hard, like and to, it had to been recognize. part of this unit. They, they've been having drills with this unit working right with this drone. So they sent they sent them in, right? So okay, yeah, they sent they just did a normal run. Okay, cool. It picks them up like it's supposed to as their human targets, right? So then they started saying, "All right, well now, like you need to like really try to be undetected." So they literally did like the one of the ways that they became undetected was they did like they did cartwheels the whole way to the thing and, and it, it couldn't it, it detected no people it detected nothing because they were cartwheeling because so they were doing cartwheeling so then so then then they did like something where they were hopping and again it no, couldn't it didn't one figure guy literally out just put put a bunch of branches on himself and just yeah and just started walking and pretended to be a tree it recognized him as a tree and then uh and the then best the, one, the, best, the one. best one was the uh the literal cardboard box like they literally hid in a cardboard box and slowly moved all the way to the thing and it detected nothing. Okay. And so it, it, it was funny because the, the people were pissed, the ones that were like doing it. But then there was one of them that had said like, oh man, this is a really, this is really good though because now that these people, these Marines just showed essentially that 
if you go up against an actual human, there are so many ways that you could think and figure out that the AI is never going to think to to look to try to detect you as a human. Because they have no imagination. Right, yeah. So a, a human can literally come up with the most ridiculous way to try to not get detected by the AI, and it, it'll probably work because the AI is only as smart as the people who, who make it, yeah. created it. But that that's only to the point that... Uh artificial intelligence has accelerated like learning right which isn't i don't know if it's here yet or not yeah i mean because there's been there's been rumors that uh like google or at least allegedly one of the employees that there was a self-aware yeah ai that they have yeah which i mean could be and this this is my whole thing too about our whole system that we have is is the shit that we see now right that's the shit that we know about just imagine how how advanced mm-hmm. the shit is that we have that is is in the on the cutting edge that's at the at the cutting edge of the technology that we won't hear about for probably another 20 years you know mm. um so it's crazy to think about how oh this is just the shit they're letting us see and it's wild beyond our imaginations or, big or maybe it's not even so much that well it probably is that as well because I mean sure we have nuclear secrets that probably right. it's nuclear nuclear <laughs> <laughs> uh, I mean we probably have information and technology that is kept under is it under wraps is that is that the problem yeah like kept, kept, top secret you know top top secret for the sake of national security. That it probably jeopardizes uh, not only people, but I guess countries too, to to have it uh, divulged to other people or whatever. But right, yeah, that shit's wild, dude. Like to to think about. But I guess the other thing I was getting at was that I mean, dude, maybe like uh, I hate I hate to get, get back to the example of like MIT with the the synthetic animals and shit, mm-hmm. but it's like that, that's that's things like you 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 read about in the news and you just kind of like look over like oh yeah that. That's interesting. And then you're just like, oh, I mean, for me, like I see it. I'm like, dude, that's that's fucking humanity's death sentence right there, dude. Like yeah, man, the Skynet is kind of yeah. we are creating our own demise essentially right now. It yeah, it is like, true. Because if you think about it, like if we're creating all these things to to basically substitute ourselves out of warfare so that no human life is is uh, expend, uh expelled or yeah, spent there's no spent. there's no human spending cost essentially um that also makes us soft because that means yeah. that's like battles that aren't being fought by human by humans like and that yeah. means that well, we're not getting involved true i mean because you can only practice and preach warfare for so long and not having not having been in it for so long like right you you can't that's not something you can teach. Like you have to be in it. Right. Mm-hmm. So it's like, and, and that's it, it, to, to that point too, like with, with the, the whole thing is if you look at, okay, yeah, the way like combat is going to change, it's going to evolve from basically if you, if there's really minimal cost or minimal chance of you being killed in combat, that changes the stakes now. So whereas before, like during, let's say world war two or Vietnam, you, you may have these guys that go up against these insurmountable odds, but then they, they, find some inspiration or they do something to pull it out and to like go against the odds and win the battle. Right. Well now in that type of a pilot pilot or drone on drone kind of combat, you're, you're not really going to have that because the stakes aren't as high because it's either win or die. Right. But now it's like, well, if this, my drone gets blown up, I, I just get another one. Well, you know? beyond that, like what if drones get the, boost that they need and whatever i don't know in what form that'll come but let's like let's say they have accelerated learning right right and they're just an ai it's not even a person piloting it or whatever yeah it's just it's just they they're given a task and they do it 
Right. Uh, and they know how to do it. They know how to get from point A to point B, and the point B is killing somebody, right? Yeah. So it's going to be done with, like, surgical precision. So right. let's say a drone is capable of flying from the U.S. to the Ukraine and taking out a war general from uh, from the Russian side, yeah. the, the Russian side, right? And it's done when they're sleeping. Like they just go over their hut or not their hut, but like their bases. Yeah. Uh, may, maybe it's not that easy, but um, if they were able to go undetected and just discreetly take out a, uh, uh, somebody that's on the top end of the Russian uh, armed forces, like, dude, that, that means like, I don't know how to how to quantify that, but that means that like warfare will be done in a surgical surgically precise manner where maybe it's not even like you're you're kind of doing like a blunt force thing. It's it's uh you send one or maybe five drones and all five of those drones are tasked with killing one specific person. Yeah. And they can wipe them out. And that's how, that's as easy as it gets. Well, that's that's or, also yeah. like that's also its own. That's a double-edged sword. Because uh, look at it this way too. If it has the one person in target, like this one guy, only this guy is their target, mm-hmm. and the guy goes into hiding. Mm-hmm. Say he starts hiding with the populace. Now it's never. It may never be able to find him now because of that. Mm. And if it does, it has to be willing to destroy civilians with it. Which we could program it to do it. But if we do that, then we enter the system. Uh, what's the term? It will never learn to distinguish the target. It will learn to distinguish the targets as, oh, this guy's around a bunch of kids. They're part of the target now. And once that happens, we're going to see. I see what oh, you mean. Oh. It, it, it's like collateral damage. Mm-hmm. Right, because yeah, we I know we're the king of collateral damage, but people don't realize how much effort we actually put into not causing collateral damage. I see, I see what you mean, but I mean it's possible too that well, let's just say that in a scenario like that, they the the AI would be like, okay, well maybe my task isn't complete right now, but let's say my next priority is to take the next person in the chain of command who might be in the same locale or some shit like that. And that's how you go about it is like, you just keep working your way either up the scale or down the scale, whichever works out better. Because I mean, I I don't know in in a warfare, do you take out the highest people first? Well, we, that's the reason why we bombed during world war two, why we bombed Hiroshima and Nagasaki and not Tokyo because Mm -hmm. we needed someone in power to surrender. Otherwise, if you if we would have bombed it and the emperor and all his top generals and like all the politicians were killed in that, mm-hmm. and then the fucking the next person that we left alive is like, I don't know, the fucking mayor of a city, the rest of Japan is gonna be like, no, we didn't fucking surrender. That just that guy surrendered. Mm. You needed someone like the emperor to surrender. Oh, so you need at least like one, whether that's like the president of a country or like right, the, yeah. the highest official, mm-hmm. the highest office in Possible. power. Wait, yeah, like the command. What what do they call the the, the president's called the commander in chief? Yeah, yeah. yeah so we're yeah. US. Well, so remember our, whatever the equivalent is of that oh, yeah. is in right. the country. Yeah. So for Japan, it was the emperor, and then underneath him was his um, generals, and yeah. underneath them it was like, I don't know. I think it was like lords, I guess. 
because they were still they weren't following they weren't following the Edo period. Uh, it wasn't like the feudal system, but it was yeah. like I mean, it kind of was a little bit. Yeah. I, I don't remember how their organization was. Like set to up this day, that. the only thing that survives from that thing is the emperor themselves. Yeah, yeah, that royal tea type deal. But like, yeah, so they we made the purposely we purposely not chose Tokyo because we knew that's where the emperor was. But we had to hit them hard, so we hit Hiroshima, which was was that no. Uh, Nagasaki was an accident because not an accident. I forgot. I think it was Edo or some shit that we were actually gonna hit, but it was too cloudy and we couldn't do it. So we so automatically the target switched to Nagasaki as the backup target. It might have been Hiroshima. One of those two was the secondary target. So we hit one of them was a military complex system where they had manufacturing for their ships or some shit. That was one of the targets we hit. So we crippled their to cripple their military, but at the same time send a message that. You, there's nowhere on Japan we can't hit you at anymore. Yeah, and so yeah, and it worked. Japan surrendered. So you're saying, you, so you're saying that, uh, in the context of like drones, that there's a possibility. Well, I mean, I guess anything's possible, but yeah, the, the possibility would be that there, just as much as there's collateral damage with like human error or whatever, there would be just as much collateral damage with a precision drone. Because dro- uh, remember, at the end of the day. We're human. Mm-hmm. We make mistakes, but we also have feel- compassion. We yeah. have feels. We feels. Right, right. And if we're give, if a human is given the order, kill civilians. I don't care how hardened you are, how loyal you are. A part of you is gonna be like, okay, like you're not. You can be the most evilest son of a bitch out there for for you to be like, oh fuck yeah. And we're supposed to be willing those people out, but let's be honest, they're probably in positions of power. Yeah, I mean, I should, I wouldn't deny it. <laughs> again, we're talking about people in power versus the people who are controlling that stick. And there's always going to be a situation where, yeah, we'll follow the order, but it ain't going to be good. Mm. A drone is never going to second guess a, a bad order. Yeah, yeah. So. Whether that's a good or a bad thing, that's that's up to the that's up yeah. Because the there, there, there is an example of like uh, artificial or it's like a thought experiment about. I think it's for humans, but it could also be for for artificial intelligence with um, uh, with self driving cars about oh yeah Who, whether whether safe. you hit one person or sixteen people, but in like how do you make that decision? Is is this person like someone of value to society that you would just be willing to let sixteen other people die, or do you let these sixteen people live uh, because it's sixteen people versus one? Like that—that's like a uh, lot yeah. to manage. But yeah, yeah, no, and I think that there, so like, in that situation, we would have a conversation going like, I don't know, man, it's the one person versus sixteen. Like we would have had differing opinion. The AI was probably just one, that one person. <sighs> Yeah, person. Right. Yeah. I mean, and, and that's the other thing too is then then you got to worry about the AI then when in its decision making process once it once it becomes maybe self aware or whatever the case <laughs> then it deciding well why am I even doing this for these fucking people to begin with and then like thinking ah uh, well why don't I why, why am I taking orders from these guys you know well, why don't I just do what I want to do which is kill all the humans and then <laughs> and then you know kill us all and then that's at that point we made Futurama tr- a real thing yeah yeah exactly. Um, Anything, what else? Is there? Oh, I did. I did want to switch back to the aviation topic real quick, kind of, which was the main topic. Kind of switching gears. <laughs> uh, that's right. Yeah, did anybody yeah. else have anything else to say about the Ukraine thing? This is good. Yeah. All right. So, a personal, like, so 
I, I, I kind of wanted to talk about, because I just kind of remember this as we were talking about it, about, so, so I have a relative, well, had a relative who worked on, worked for Lockheed during the, you know, 50s, 60s, 70s, 80s uh, for those type who, deal. I mean, for Adam's sake, I guess, but uh, Lockheed is the one that makes a lot of our, uh, it's Lockheed. It's Lockheed Boeing. Martin is the, yeah. is the name of the company. Lockheed yeah. Martin, Boeing. Uh, Raytheon. Uh, no, what? Raytheon. Yeah, Raytheon. No, not Raytheon. Um, these are the guys that make planes for us. Like okay. war, war planes. Boeing. You, you'll know them for like. The 7. Yeah. The 747 and the 777. Uh, which is, you know, com- common commercial planes. Yeah. Um, but they also make jets, bombers, and shit like that for us. Yeah. So so Lockheed is one of those companies that makes, you know, they make fucking missiles and whatever. They're like a major defense contractor. But primarily, I think their main focus is, is aircraft or whatever. Mm-hmm. So, uh, you know, so so this this person that was my relative, they they're dead now. So I I can say whatever I want. Oh, they've been dead for a long time. So like I they they did no top secret shit and all that cool stuff. So basically they worked at Lockheed and they were an electric electrician or like an electrical engineer. And uh, this person, it was, it was funny because they basically only had like an eighth grade education, you know, left, left their home and went, came out to California and, you know, started whatever family. But then they started working for Lockheed and their original job was cleaning out the inside of fuel tanks. So they would, they would toss them in there and they would just say, all right, cool. Now you got to go degrease the inside of this fucking fuel tank for this aircraft. So he would go and do all that, and then eventually somehow they figured out that he was pretty good with electronics, so then they sent him to, to school to learn it or be part of it or whatever. So he, uh, he did that, and he ended up go, getting into this program where he was working on some top-secret shit. And so one of the things that he was working on was the SR-71, the Blackbird, the reconnaissance aircraft. And so if you're not familiar with that, one, basically... One of the most sexiest things ever created. Yeah, it looks great. It's If you've ever seen, like, the X-Men or whatever, the first class or those those that genre, the their, their aircraft that they use is an SR-71. That's basically what it is. So it is this aircraft that can travel fucking super fast. Yeah. Um, it's pretty sweet. And so he had a design... To this day, it's still the fastest fixed-wing plane ever. Yeah, so he had a, he had a design... Uh, he had helped design, he partly designed the, some of the electrical components or systems for that so anyways one of the one of the things cause as, as a secondary job that he had because he had clear, a top secret clearance was they would he would go out to the Burbank airport and he would go out and once one of them would come back from a mission he would come out and take him and his another guy would go and pick up the film reel and they would go and develop the photos and develop the film reel and then I don't know how he got roped into like doing this but I, maybe he was one of the only guys around that had a clearance, and so they just said, "Oh fuck it, like we need somebody to go pick this shit up." So you, you got technically t- clearance, so you can go, you can go do it. So just go fucking do it. Help build the goddamn thing. Might yeah. As well. <laughs> so so he w- went and he would go do that. And so he would, he would tell me like stories sometimes about you know talking because the pilots basically they didn't fly out of Burbank. That wasn't like their home base. Like they would come there for some reason, drop off the film, and then they'd fly back to I mean likely somewhere in Nevada, like Area Fifty One type place or somewhere like that. One of those top secret fucking bases that they would fly out of. You know what's funny? I was I was reading up on the flight simulator, mm-hmm. newest one. I guess the largest uh, landing, uh, the runway mm-hmm. that they have in there is Area Fifty One. Oh really? Yeah, oh, that's funny. And so anyway, so he would go and he would say that, oh, they would be popping the film out from under the aircraft and then the pilot would get out and like be smoking a cigarette or whatever while they were doing this. So they would like bullshit around and like they would talk and stuff. 
And so one time there was one of them he was telling him about how he's like, oh, yeah, man, you know, I was going flying over whatever Soviet, the Soviet Russia, because like they, they could know that kind of stuff because they were developing the photos and the video and all that bullshit that was happening. So they, you know, they could see what was being taken. So this guy would whatever tell him like, oh, yeah, I was flying over whatever some fucking area in, in Russia. And he's like, oh, yeah. And uh, those motherfuckers, you know, they shot a missile, they shot a surface to air missile at me. And so then, you know, he asked me like, oh, what, what did you guys do? He's like, well, he's like, really, uh, their, their surface air missiles only travel at like whatever, you know, 900 or 1,000 miles an hour or whatever. So he's like, oh, yeah. So uh, all I did was uh, I, just, I just pushed up a little further on the accelerator. It just went fast and then uh, it, it couldn't catch me and then it just ran out of gas and just crashed somewhere like the fucking the missile. So I thought that was pretty interesting of like, oh, yeah, this high-speed reconnaissance aircraft that we have, uh, it's defense. It doesn't have any defense. It has no weapon system on it. Other but than to be fucking fast as fuck. Yeah, well. its defense is literally just accelerating. That's so it's, like, a, it's, a tie, <laughs> it's a TIE fighter or TIE, was it a TIE interceptor? Yeah, like, yeah, basically, it just, it just, it just speeds no, I, up. Honestly, I think this might be faster than a TIE interceptor. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and so it was, it was funny, like, talking about that, and then... You know what's funny? The fucking, the insane amount of fucking, let's be honest... Witchcraft and magic they had to do to get this motherfucker built was amazing. You talking about the SR seventy one? Oh yeah, like like it's made out of titanium. Tit- at the time, titanium was only sourced in one spot in the world, Russia, and Russia wasn't gonna sell it to us. So we made a bunch of little tiny corporations in Thailand, oh, yeah, the Philippines, yeah. all this shit, and we started buying titanium from Russia. Small, from those. yeah. Each country, each company would buy like a small amount, and then eventually they send it back to us. Yeah, in the US. yeah. So Russia helped us build the spy plane that was going to spy on them. Yeah, they gave us like the material, the raw materials. Essentially, we bought the raw materials from them and to then, make. So while they were testing, they realized, oh shit, this shit travels so fast that the metal expands, and it's going to fuck up our shit. Like, all right, we'll, we'll put it together loosely so when it's flying fast yeah. and it heats up, it's it's all tight again. Yeah. Oh, that's that was, interesting. Yeah, that was yeah. one of the things that he was, they would talk about too. Is that that aspect of like, oh yeah, yeah, like when you would first like take off, it like you could there was like a rattling like noise because the ship would vibrate and it wasn't because it wasn't fully tightened so that when it got up to like full speed, it would the metal yeah expanded and then everything was it like tight. tight like it would like it would just be like ah uh, yeah so because if you if the metal expanded too much it would, the thing would just explode so because speaking, of the, speaking of explosion they realized that. Uh, there was something wrong. I can't remember what it was. I think it, was, it would constantly leak uh, jet fuel, and which would be a problem because you know, it would ignite and blow up. So they called the company. I think it was Shell or BP. No, it was BP. It was an American company. Uh, we'll call it Shell for now. I can't remember which company it was. They contracted them to come up with a, a solution, and their solution was a rocket fuel or sorry, jet fuel that can't ignite. I don't know what kind of fucking magic that they had to do to make that shit happen, but literally the pilots were smoking like junk shit, and they would put the cigarettes out in said fuel, and it would not catch on fire. But yet it can combust to get the engine to fucking run. I don't know how the fuck that ha- how that works, but it fucking works. I'm sure that is still classified to this day. That information. I mean, I think I think the top speed is actually still. Classified, yeah. and one of the things that's funny is we we developed that aircraft in the fifties. No, the fifties no, yeah, no, was the B two bomber. No, no, the fifties was that SR seventy one because we used it in Vietnam as well. Like that was it wasn't just the Cold War. The Cold War. It was no, like we, we used, used it, it to go over. 
Wait, no, because remember like, we were using the other one. The that's the fastest well, plane the to date. The well, fixed plane that we know of, that we know about. I mean, you know, that's the fat. That that was some shit we built. That's back wild, in, like, dude. Do you think it was because? Because uh, you know, there's other shit. 1964. Yeah, there's other shit, well, yeah, obviously, means, that we developed, right? But like, right, like again, the thing I wanted to talk about when we said this would be aviation is the F-22 fucking Raptor. Yeah. It Wait, is, were you done on the SR seventy one? No, no, stuff? I was just gonna. I'm oh. gonna go back to it. It's okay. just, I wonder, its top speed is blah blah blah, and I don't know what the top. I can't remember off the top of my head. But at the same time, that doesn't make sense. Like people are like, it has this kind of engine, this, this, and that's its top speed, and people are saying, I don't think I don't. I, we think that the top speed might be lied. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Okay. So that. Yeah. So I mean, it had its first test flight in 1964, but they started developing it in 1957. Do you think the so, the if uh, wait when was it 1957 1950, was when, when they started, started developing it. Oh, so, okay. We started doing research and shit. Yeah. When they so this wait, is some 54 shit that, to 64. That's how long it took us to make the SR 70. No, it was 57 to to okay 57. Was when they first approached Lockheed to begin developing yeah, an air, a high speed reconnaissance aircraft. Right. So they technically started in 19. So it was like January of 1957. The CIA reached out to the Lockheed to basically say, hey, we want this high speed, something super fast that can be like a reconnaissance aircraft. Because the, the U-2 is the thing that they were using. But that's yeah. essentially just a glider. That, that, that got shot down. Yeah. And so they wanted something that like couldn't get shot down. So that was in January of 1957. And I think it was April of 1964 was when they did the first test flight. Seven years. Seven so, years to make a, a one-of-a-kind aircraft. Yeah, to make essentially the fastest aircraft that's ever fucking But existed. only specifically for reconnaissance. Yeah, that was yes. what they wanted. They, there was a specific thing the that they wanted. The only reason we're not uh, still using it is because satellites exist now. Yeah, basically. And they had this thing called the A-12, which was kind of like they were trying to make it like the armed version of it, like a bomber variant. But they, it had a lot of problems. And, they, and because at of the, the end of the day, they realized, stuff. oh, wait, we already have a B-2. We're good. Yeah. So, no, but we, we, but again, it's classified, so we don't know this for sure. But it is believed that a lot of our stealth planes, like the F twenty two, the thirty five, the B two, the B twenty one, or maybe not the B two, because the B two came out before the SR seventy one. I'm not no, sure. No, that's that. not true. Yeah. Um, believe that all the stealth capability came from the SR seventy one. Yeah, that's what the coding that they used on that to make it have a very small radar. Like to not show up on radar, basically that that was basically the pre- precursor for like the F. It's like the F one seventeen Nighthawk, that like weird triangular shape looking. I mean, sure, I'm sure you've seen it. It's like a fighter. The F one one seven. Yeah, the F one seventeen. It's like a. It's called the Nighthawk. It's like a. It's like a little weird triangular. The cockpit of it looks all weird and triangular and shit. And then the B two, the stealth bomber. That that stuff was like the predecessor for. I think that the contents of the paint yeah, are the, still actually classified. To this day, like what it's painted in. Yeah, this is the F seven. This is the F one one seven. Yeah, yeah, I've seen that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So and and that like, that one right there might be the predecessor to like the F twenty two, the F thirty five, and stuff like that because that's that was meant to be a fighter, where the B twenty the B two was a bomber. Uh, so you see how we went through our tree for the SR seventy one went from a reconnaissance to a fighter and a bomber. Yeah. So it may no longer be a necessity for us. But it paved the way for us to have a lot of great shit. Well, I imagine now, like, what what would be the next step for for spacecrafts? Because now it has to be, it can't just be a unidirectional aircraft. Like, it has to move. It would have to, like, basically a UFO is, I guess, would be. Uh, yeah, and. Now, that's, that's funny you bring up UFOs. Because uh, there's a theory about how 
the U.S. is always making new planes, new designs, new shit. Yeah. And the one, one of the reasons people say that is because America, like, here's America at number one, and then number two is a way off about numbers of UFO sightings. Is is the highest in the U.S. than anywhere else in the fucking oh, world. Oh, yeah, that's interesting. Like, I mean, I don't know if that's a true, like... I don't know if that's indicative of, like, the U.S. Testing out. With planes. all of our top secret shit that we're testing out. Yeah. yeah. But it's not, but it's it's very interesting to... It's an interesting there coincidence. A, there is a correlation there that you could articulate yeah. by saying, well, probably the, one of the main reasons why we have the most UFO sightings or the most weird shit that we've seen is because it's likely us testing our own shit of what we're using. Now, granted, I mean, sure, some of the weird anti I mean, who knows what the fuck they got going on right now. I think that is the next step is, like, a, essentially, like you said, like, anti- a UFO type shit, like, anti-gravity or something. Yeah, because it needs to, like... if. But then at that point, it's like, dude, if 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 that's the next step, then, dude, I, I don't know what's going to happen for, like, wars and shit. But well, there's that one general who retired mm. and came out and said that the U.S. Air Force created something that could destroy or take over the world. Yeah. And, he, and then he disappeared a few months later or something like that. Oh, I, I, I don't know if he disappeared, but he came out saying that we have something so fucking scary yeah. that it's frightened him. Well, I'm sure, dude, I mean... Uh, I'm sure that was uh, to shamelessly plug up the Oppenheimer movie. I'm sure oh, yeah, Robert Oppenheimer felt the exact same way when the nuclear bomb. I mean, he's, everybody remembers the oh. the quote. The yeah, it's quote funny. Here. It's funny that he says that. But then when it comes to um, who was it? it? Wasn't FDR at the time, right? Who gave the order to drop the bomb? No, I think it was like Dwight D. Eisenhower. No, it was the no, the no. president that took over. Who was the president after FDR? Wasn't it Dwight no, Eisenhower? No, it was Eisenhower, but it was, you mean you're talking about to drop the... Or is it Truman? Truman? Yeah, Truman was the one after... No, after, Truman Truman was Truman was, was the after, one that replaced Kennedy when he got assassinated. Wasn't it Harry S. Truman was the one that My God, replaced I don't him. remember. Man, this is, presidents are hard. Fucking you know. A, dude. Now I got to look at it. <laughs> I'm doing that right now. All right, go ahead. So anyways, to... Hold on, let me, yeah, it was Truman. Was what? Was the president that took over for FDR. For... for yeah, the guy you're thinking about um, is another guy. I forgot what his name. Oh, is. it was Lyndon B. Johnson. Yeah. That's who took over for Kennedy. Okay, never mind. Yeah, yeah. So he no, took but over. Dwight so he, D. Eisenhower. He was. I, he, I was still, was he was still. He was still the commander of World War II forces at the time. He came. I think he might have came after Truman. Yeah. Okay. All right. Yeah, yeah that yeah. sounds but right. Truman took over for FDR. Yes. He's the one that gave the order for the, uh, the, the to bombs. drop the bomb. Yeah. So when Oppenheimer came out, and he said that quote, and they talked to Truman about it. He goes, "What does he care? I'm the one that gave the order." Yeah. He's like, what is he being a pansy about? <laughs> I, mean, I don't know, man. True. It's it, it's. I think it's the act of like developing something Creation. that's probably going to be like world devastation. I wonder if I, uh, Einstein's going to be in the movie. I don't know, man, because he helped with that project. So indirectly, right? Yeah. Well, well, they, they, asked, the, they asked him for help in some equations. The, the, probably like the math, yeah. yeah. But I mean, yeah, I don't yeah. think he would willingly. Not that he would. I don't think he. I mean, he knowing his the, family. Yeah. Were, his family was probably killed by the Nazis. I think he was like, "Yes, let's do this." Yeah. Oh, no, okay. I, that's I don't, true. I don't yeah. know. I don't think that. I don't know. Who knows? Maybe he did directly know, but maybe it was an indirect thing. But they, he was involved, whether it was directly, directly or indirectly. Cause, yeah, because I mean, I don't know how. Because there's obviously uh, security clearance, right? So they like, is that the point in which like? the U S government would only tell you information like here, do the math. Yeah. And then, and then, and then then it's only after the fact that you realize, Oh, so one of the, one of the ways that they they probably went up to him and said, Hey, um, we need you to do this math equation for us real quick. Oh, this seems really weird. What are you guys trying to, Hey, how would you like to go back to Germany? Okay. (laughs) Yeah. And one of the, one of the things that's like very well documented is the way that they do these type of projects and stuff is like, they have, 
a bunch of different teams, right? And each team, they generally will either have it be, okay, each team has the the one piece to the puzzle. Like, they each have one piece of the puzzle that they have to figure out. Yeah, and then and only and so, someone else combines the entire thing. Now, with this one, I think that they all knew what the end product was supposed to be. Or you can guess, right? Like, you can kind of get an idea. Right. Well, I think they all kind of knew what the end goal or what the product was. Because a lot of times they'll do like, oh, you just need to, I just need you to develop a paint that can't be detected by radar, right? And then, oh, I need you to develop an engine that can travel this fast. And then someone who's, it's like that compartmentalized information. So, like, no one has the full picture of what it's going to be. I think with this, I think they all knew what the thing was going to be. And then certain teams kind of figured out certain parts of it. And then I think that they... Do you think there was... Because I know... I don't know what, what the consequences are for for uh, divulging information is, but do depends, you think there was water cooler? To, depends on the water death, I think is what they... Do you think there was water cooler talk? Like, hey, what are you guys doing? Like, oh, so, okay, so I can, I can kind of speak a little bit about how that worked over at... With my relative when they were working on the SR-71. So one of the things that he always said is that, okay, you would be taken... The way they would do it is they'd pick them up in the morning... And they he'd go to like the airport, right? And then they get on a plane that had all the windows blacked out, and they would literally fly in circles for like an hour, and then they would land somewhere, and they'd get out. They were in the desert, didn't know where. They'd go into their building. There'd be each each team that was working on something had assigned like two guards, right? So the two guards would take you to wherever you were supposed to be working at, and then if you had to leave the room for any reason, the two guards were standing outside. So like if you had to take a piss. They'd say, okay, hey, I got to take a piss. All right, cool. They would walk you. One of them would walk you to the bathroom, watch you piss, stand there and watch you piss, and you like with your, wee- with your wiener Oh, yeah, out. they'd be yeah. like, let me see. There'd be, there's yeah. several situations where the guys were like, hey, bro, nice cock. Yeah, yeah. And, and so they'd be like, oh, thanks, man. And then, you know, they would go and say, okay, cool. Now you go to walk back. You're not allowed to talk to anybody. You're not allowed to do shit. So in that specific scenario, there was no water cooler talk, but now there was no water cooler. Right. That you weren't allowed. If you had to go to the water cooler, there was an armed guy that went with you. And okay. if you fucking talk to anybody, they, you, you basically would get fucked up. Like they would beat your ass. Man, or they would take you in the back. Imagine, and, or, or let the little gray man have their way with you. Yeah, exactly. Imagine, imagine 2023, like trying to take a selfie when you're doing uh top uh, secret. Top secret like, hey, yo, we out here. Like yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we out here making secret shit for the well, government. It's funny you say that. Cause going, uh, going way back to the Ukraine, there's several instances where they found soldiers because they were air tagging themselves, geo tagging yeah. themselves. Yeah, yeah. Like they found units because they those dickheads were fucking taking pictures of themselves and posting it on Instagram or whatever. Of the hey, here I am about to invade. We about to invade the Ukraine, like you know. You know, I mean, oh, there's a big oh, sit down. <laughs> uh, so I I don't know why this provoked something uh-huh. in me, but. Uh, the thing you were saying about how there's individual pods of people right. working on shit, I'm like, because uh-huh. I think this kind of this isn't strictly about military shit or anything mm, like that. Yeah. But uh, the 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 incident of like 9/11, how a lot of government agencies had information, right? And it wasn't until like this incident that all the these government agencies like the CIA, right. Um, the FBI and I forgot who else. And eventually like the national, what is it? The, home, the Depart- department of yeah. national home, homeland, homeland security, security was, yeah. was created, but 
it took an event like Which that is, for. I still don't get. It does well, the same job as the CIA. Right. I mean, it, it does. Well, so the whole reason that they made the Department of Homeland Security was because that was now the mechanism by which all these agencies would be able to share the information. So everything would get anything that's homeland related would get directed to the Department of Homeland Security, yeah. so that they could take individual pieces that each agency collected in and of itself and they could be able to combine the whole thing together and then know like if the homeland security department existed 9 11 probably would have never happened because they would have known about this because the narrative would have been made like the the pieces would have been put, put together, together yeah. to know what the story was like what was happening right exactly but i, I don't know that was kind of just off on a tangent but you were talking because i'm like that kind of bit us in the ass in that context that uh, we, you know, we had right. everything separate. not sharing the information and not being integrated, which is now, you know, now, now the system's all intertwined, which is crazy to think that that's how it is. But I mean, it's also scary too, because if that same, uh, mechanism was turned from being going against our enemies to then maybe turned against, uh, us as citizens or whoever, I mean, that's a, that's a very large, powrful, agent or not agency but you know mechanism that the government has but that that isn't something that isn't new to us because i mean that was like the same thing that happened with the fbi with hoover right was that he was using the fbi as a as a a ruse to like spy on people and shit. right yeah i mean well they were using communism as the as the ruse to to basically spy on american citizens the whole red scare thing yeah i don't know know why but i just want to raise up I still want to make a poster of that one poster from The Simpsons when Homer and Barney went to the Duff Brewery. And it says, I knew he was a communist because he wouldn't drink Duff. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's good. Good, See, good, good yeah. luck trying to find that image or trying to I screen mean, cap yeah. that and then mm-hmm. make I mean, it there's blow shit, it up. Yeah, there's shit like that that like, yeah, that, that's, that was how that mentality was back then. Like, oh man, this guy doesn't, doesn't well, remember do that this. Whole thing where, well, Brian Crash made a movie about it. About how they were influencing uh, Hollywood, they weren't letting them make films, certain types of films, and you yeah. weren't allowed to hire certain types of actors or writers. Uh, they, the whole thing was about this guy who was a com- who actually was communist, and he was fighting against the system. But that movie flopped. <laughs> mm. Well, now that you're like talking about movies and shit, because I mean, there was I don't know why I'm thinking about. Germany specifically during yeah. World War Two, but and I'm I'm I know this isn't like a historically accurate movie because it's you know embellished in some ways with the uh, Inglorious Bastards and and uh, Hitler, well, pretty much like the Nazi Party watching a movie about some German hero. I mean, there's probably like plenty examples of that happening in the U.S. where uh, films were catered towards being propaganda for right. like joining the military or some shit like that so yeah, yeah. I, i'm i'm not sure if that's the case now well, like not only did they have movies but they also had walt disney cartoons helping them out walt disney cartoons like what specifically oh like um donald duck um making artillery shells and every time he stabbed one he would be hi hitler hi hitler hi hitler yeah there's those those are out there that were disney oh, actually okay. the, the german like the nazi government actually paid them to they, walt disney support, supported the nazi party until so, they went to war with us and they, well, well, then they stopped. Yeah, I, I mean, I knew Walt Disney was like a a a anti-Semitic. Well, I don't know about that, but I just knew he was sympathetic towards the Nazi Party or like the Nazi ide- well, ideologies. Did yeah. you remember the episode of Family Guy with they brought him out of cryogenic, the cryogenic chamber? He goes, he goes, "Welcome back, Mr. Disney. Are the Jews dead? No, put me back in." <laughs> uh, but I was trying to think of like. Uh, examples of modern day 
where films are catered towards exploiting people to join like the Top Gun. Top Gun. The first Top Gun. Was do, you, made. do you think that movie with uh, what's that 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 guy? Um, wasn't there like a movie about the Blackwater team or? There was the Hurt Locker. Yeah. There was that, but there was something else. Was there was there something that was specifically for SEAL Team Six or whatever? Oh, that was there's Zero Dark Thirty. There's a lot of movies about the SEAL teams. Do yeah. you think Do you think people walked away watching the movie like, oh fuck yeah, I want to join. I want to be part of a paramilitary. Oh uh, yeah, I'm sure, I I'm sure there are some of them, but I don't know necessarily that that is but, the main function of those except, type of movies okay, now. Bring it back, but except for top the first Top Gun because that was made by the U.S. Navy. Yeah, and then same thing with the side this new one, the newer one. The no, Navy's the Navy heavily was, was well, they're heavily involved, like with because I mean you need access to all they that were charging, shit, so. they were charging them eleven million dollars a day for, uh, um, for them to use the F 16s and shit, um, and they only had one stipulation uh, about it, and they said that Tom Cruise is not allowed to touch anything. <laughs> what do you mean? Anything inside the ship? Yeah, inside the plane. He's not allowed to touch things. He's not allowed to pilot. He's not allowed to do anything with it because they know he would. Because he's an he's an actual pilot. Uh, he owns planes. He he I think he owns like one of the best functioning um, Spitfires. But yeah, he's a pilot, and they're like, nope, he cannot touch a goddamn thing. So what they created like a set piece for him to just well, no, do that shit? No, because the F sixteen is a two two seater. Uh, so the the pilots were in the back seat. That's the F fourteen, not the F sixteen. The F sixteen is a two seater too. No, the F sixteen is a single seater. No, yeah, it's that's the thinking one. of something else. The F fourteen. Yes, the F fourteen is a two seater, but F sixteen is as well. It's not. Or it might be the eighteen. He's gonna see it right now. Now the F eighteen. Well, F eighteen has a two seater variant, but so it might have been that one. The majority of those are, and the F sixteens. I don't think they have those on naval ships either. Yes, the F sixteen B was a two seater. Yeah, yeah, but that wasn't in Top Gun. The 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 first one was the Tomcat. The second one was F sixteen and eight. It was F sixteen. No, the F-16s, no, no F-16s are in any Top Gun movie. They're the two-seater variant, at least, from what you're talking about. The F-18 was the one that was in the second Top Gun, I think. It might have even been in the first one. No, the first one was the Tomcat. No, but like the F-18 did exist, I think, at the time. And I think they were on, there, so there were some on the Navy ships, but the majority of them were, yeah, the F-14. Yeah, it was the, the F-15. F-15. The what? It was the F-18. That yeah, was that's the, the one you're thinking of. Yeah, yeah. That's, that's the F-18. But anyways. No, but the F-16 does have a two-seater. Yeah, but it's not like in common. It's not like a major. Two seaters aren't common anywhere. No, no, no. I'm just saying. I don't think the F-16 was ever really utilized as the two seater variant. I think it, the main variant. Well, was I think the, that's when they were using them as that. Like, remember the F-14 was that. The F-15 wasn't. Or no, it was actually. But the yeah, uh, F-15. Yeah. But the um, it was the F-18 was a two seater. After that, it is when we started going into single seaters because we no longer needed. A second person to operate the the weapon system because the pilot cannot do it independently. Right, but what I'm saying is I don't think that the the Navy never used F-16s on in aircraft carriers. Like I don't think they ever were on. I don't think they were on aircraft carriers. I think that they were primarily Air Force that were just on like land. The F-16, the F-14, and the F-15. Yeah, definitely those were on aircraft carriers for sure. So it's the same thing with the F-18 became the single seat variants that they utilize because it's got those like wings that could fold up and shit so that it could like store and they could fit more of them because you know it was all about like man how many can we carry let's let's see what we could do here and then i mean maybe f-16s were on yeah they used the f-16 viper that was the navy variant yeah but that was there was definitely and then the the straight f-16 was the air force variant interesting yeah but it's most (laughs) 
the F-16N serves with the Navy at the NSA, at <clears throat> NSA Myanmar hmm. as a trainer. Oh, as a trainer. Okay, that makes that makes sense. All right. Uh, yeah. So uh, I think there's one other topic that I think we can go. Unless you guys have something. Go for it, man. No, go for it. Yeah. All right, because uh, we were already talking about like Ukraine and in Russia for a hot minute, but mm-hmm. we vaguely we vaguely brushed over Taiwan and China. Oh yeah. yeah. So what are your speculations of what would start the scenario of uh, China getting involved with Taiwan? Well. Uh, in terms of what could start that, I think that I think that they've kind of already been watching and seeing what's been going on with this Russia deal. I, I think that they were expecting Russia to provide take take the whole Ukraine and kind of pull NATO into a conflict because if they were to do that, that would by by proxy pull us into it into a world and, like a World War Three right, scenario. Yeah. Well, and our our if if we were to, I think once we jump in to the Ukraine for real. Then China will jump in, into um, take Taiwan because theoretically our military capability as it sits now we are not capable of fighting a full war on two fronts. That is something that is that has been so on the well western the western we can't do it like World War Two where we had two fronts we had a western and an eastern front or whatever the Pacific theater and the European theater which is essentially what this would turn into. Which, yeah, that's and would be bad for us, but. Luckily for us, now that NATO is getting their asses together, I was going to say, like, would, yes. w- wouldn't them handling their own just mean we, we can concentrate now, on the West? Now we know that Ukraine was able to, with our help, obviously, was able to was able to not only hold off Russia, but is now pushing them back. If all of NATO can just focus and at the very least just keep Russia off our back, just defend itself. That's yeah. all they got to do. They don't got to go into Russia and take it. But they also have like a million points of failure too, because it's not just one nation. Right. It's like thirty. Yeah, there's well, thirty people, thirty well, countries every, involved. Yeah, well, you got to know. One of the speculations of joining NATO is you have to be part of our joint training exercises. Hmm. Every country in NATO has had at least one training accident. Accident. Uh, Session with either us or other neighboring uh, nations, so we're always causing, we're always making them train. We're making them learn to work with each other because, yeah, the language barrier is there, and the fact that different types of military doctrines are there too. So we're making sure everybody learns how to adapt to each other. Right. But that's the thing, though. We fucked that up. I. So one of the rules for joining NATO is that everybody has to fight. Have a their service rifle has to shoot five five six NATO, which is the specific round that the gun needs to be able to fire. Recently, the U.S. adopted the the U.S. Army adopted a new rifle, which shoots six point seven. So right off the bat, we are no longer compatible with the rest of NATO. So because one of the reasons for it, which is a smart idea, is that if everyone uses the same ammo, everyone can share ammo. So now we are not, we're no longer part of that conversation. Right, yeah. But anyways, back to like your, your main question about the whole thing with China. I, I think that they were waiting to see what was going to happen with Russia. And now that Russia has proven that's been a, you know over a year, I do think Russia is going to ramp up its military, uh, I guess, not, resp- not response, but like its... Uh, it's it's warfare. I think they're gonna sh- they're gonna they're gonna really push hard and throw because what's gonna eventually happen is is well, Russia's got more people than the Ukraine. So if you throw enough people at it, but who's you'll eventually break through. Yeah, I mean that's what Russia. Literally, if you look at every war Russia has fought, pretty much since its existence, that's how they've done it. They they this is going exactly how it goes. Everything goes for the first year. It's a complete shit show. 
It's 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 fucked up. It's they looks they they are losing. It's it's like fucking crazy. And then they just decide to say, okay, we're just going to throw a shit ton of people at it, and they, started, they eventually they, win. They already started they, conscripting people, right? That's already kind of started. So now I think that's their next move is they're going to start. They're going to move into just throwing overwhelming force at it, basically, which is just going to be so many people that the Ukrainians aren't going to be able to do shit. So once that happens, I think that's going to be the cue for China because we're gonna we're gonna have to jump in. But here's potentially. the thing to that though: uh-huh. that tactic has never been used by the Russians against a country that has had American military technology. Well, right, but this is the thing too: is it doesn't matter. It still does. It still comes down to a numbers game because even if one Ukrainian person with advanced technology can take out, t- let's say, ten of the Russians, right? Well, the Ukrainians are outnumbered twenty to one. So well, let's just say that's the number. I don't know the exact number, but if they're outnumbered 20 to one, I'm sure it's close to that or 30 to one, just because one guy can take out 10, there's still 20 other motherfuckers that are coming. So eventually they will run out of military aged fighting males to, to fight. And then that's when Russia will just, can just steamroll. And so that's, like I said, that's been their tactic. They've used basically the, their entire existence when they invade foreign countries is, they just do that and they just eventually overwhelm them with with force and there's nothing that fucking anybody can do about it. So I think once Russia has the Ukraine situation escalated and either has pulled us into it or the majority of NATO into it, then that's when China is going to make their move and potentially take Taiwan. Taiwan. And then we have a vested interest fully in Taiwan because the main reason we can't let them take Taiwan is because Taiwan is the one of the only producers of the semiconductors for you know all of our technology. So yeah, if China takes that, we have said that if Taiwan falls, we will bomb those facilities so that China can't fucking use them, or you know we will scorched earth that shit so you're not going to get it. Yeah, I mean, so no oh, good. You no, know, yeah, I mean, shit. I, that's that's the main argument that I heard is that the resource of the semi- semiconductors is, would produce like pretty much any. It, you'd basically need it for any technology, and that's probably right. why. That honestly, that's probably the main reason why we invaded um, Afghanistan and Iraq because they had lithium mines. Yeah, they did a, have large swaths of lithium, which is needed for conductors for bat- yeah, like right. batteries and shit. Yeah. I mean, yeah, yeah. And so, anyway, so so that's where. And then also, if you really look at this, I think they've been setting this up because if you look at this whole BRICS alliance, which is. Um, <clears throat> bunch of assholes. It's, yeah, it's it's Brazil, Russia. <laughs> Uh, wait, who's the I? Is it India? India, and then the C is China, and the S is um, shit. I forget who the S Somalia. is. No, it's not. It is some weird African. I think it's Sudan or something. It's some African country. I think is who the S is. And so you've got all these. They're making an economic alliance. So yeah, I heard about that because it's uh, yeah. Keep, keep going. So earlier when I said uh, that France is a traitor, that's why because they're trying they, to join they're them. trying to join it. So. My theory on that is if they're trying to make this economic alliance, which they've got a bunch of countries already signed on for, they're, they're trying to hurt America. Economic, they're fighting an economic war is what they're doing right now yeah. against us. And so if you fight us economically and you bring the dollar down a couple pegs and make it worth less, yeah. then you really have a chance at fucking with us because now if our money's not going to go as far – well, we're going to start having problems at home. We're going to have start, start having problems with our but, force projection. But also, doesn't that hurt the countries that have the U.S. dollar as a as their reserve currency? Too? Well, that's the thing. That's the you countries know, they're targeting. Do you know who the number one holder of United States sovereign debt is? Us. China. No, it's, no, it's not. It's Japan. 
Japan, Japan actually owns more United States. I thought it was debt. just us, like because yeah. it's just you know whoever. No, no, okay, it could be us, but I'm talking about of the countries that are not us. The largest owner of our debt basically is Japan, and then China is number two. So, and ch- if if China gets everyone in the world to get rid of all of its dollars or get rid of all of its its debt, treasury debt that we that they own. Uh, that that fucks a that basically bankrupts Japan overnight, <laughs> yeah. um, and then China it, they don't give a shit because well now they're going to become the new world reserve currency so they will take the loss of all those dollars that they have becoming worthless because now they're now everyone's going to want the yuan so once but, that, bricks, that but that's also the scary thing though is like yeah it's going to be bad for us but it could it could trigger. If all the shit that Russia and China do now doesn't trigger it, that will trigger us being, you know what? We have to we have to take them out now. Like, well, that's the thing, too, is if, if any time throughout history there has been few times it's changed the world, the hegemon or whatever, the main monetary force. Right. Uh, before us, it was it was England. The The British pound was like the, the major world reserve currency. Yeah. And any time that a major uh, I don't want to say influencer, but like uh, a, a world power, right? Anytime a major world power is going to change from being the world reserve currency or the hegemon, essentially, it always ends in violence, right? There's always some sort of violent conflict that happens that that it's never been like a silent, you know, oh, this, this, this is just going to be the new world reserve currency now. Like there's always some sort of violent action that happens yeah. as a result of it. And so with this, if you because if you put that country because you're fucking whoever that country is that's the the world power that's the hegemon they're they're gonna have a bad time after this once they no longer become it once the the, the shift happens to the new country, so when they're backed against a the wall there's only two options either one is just roll over and take it or fight two it's fight back so the every eventually they all roll over and take it that's eventually what happens because the US don't play that game. well yeah we we got well and we're this is be the first time this happened with with, with nuclear power on the table essentially so if nuclear power is on the table and we're backed into a corner and we're going to either no longer exist or the US would splinter or however that would go when the economy uh, essentially falls apart well what choice do you have left well like Screw it. If we're going down, we might as well take everybody with us, right? That's that's an option. Well, same um, way the I mean the, the same the same way the Russians would threaten that that same nuclear threat, right? That's the thing. We at least publicly have never threatened any nation, anybody with nuclear weapons. We've done it to Japan, learned our lesson, or at least I hope we did. But I don't think we've ever openly threatened. Hey, don't do this, or we're gonna nuke you. We tried in Vietnam, but our own government put a stop to that. <laughs> or was it Korea? No, we weren't going to use nukes in Vietnam. No, there was uh, the same uh, McDouglas. He was going to, he wanted to bomb the nuclear, oh, the, yeah, sure, but the, the Korean government, the Korean peninsula to prevent any trade to ever happen for, in North Korea for at least like, what, 60, 80 years, however long it takes the radiation to die out. Mm-hmm. But the RUS government had to put a stop to him doing that. Mm-hmm. So that's what I'm saying. Like, we. Don't threaten with nuclear weapons, at least as far as I, my mind is right now. But if we ever reach the point where we start threatening, it won't be a threat. Like, we're, if we're desperate enough that we have to start using nukes, we're, not, we're at the point where, okay, we're going to use them. And yeah, that's true. So that might, 
them changing from the dollar to the the yuan or whatever the fuck China uses could could effectively end not just the U.S. but the world. Well, it would end it as it as, as it we exists, know it. as it exists today. Yeah, it would it would no longer be a the, the landscape would be completely different once that happens because then you know who, whoever would be able to pick up the pieces or be able to project force long like far out enough would be become the new you know. So like Einstein said, world power, I don't know I what World War Three would be fought with. But World War Four will be fought with sticks and stones. You said that. I, I think Einstein said that. I, I don't Einstein know. I don't that. know who said that. But I, that is a that is a quote someone has said before for sure. I, I know that much. I, I've heard it before. For sure. Yeah. I don't. Maybe so you, Einstein did say it. Yeah. But yeah. I mean. I mean. That's probably true. I mean. If if nukes ever go off, then yeah, we're going back to the well, maybe not the Stone Age, but we're going pretty close. You know, like technology would be irrelevant because you know people starting from ground zero yeah we'd be starting over essentially and not that the whole world would be essentially a nuclear wasteland then not that but you know the amount of people that would die in some sort of nuclear conflict would be immense and then shit because you have to build like it was Einstein hmm. you'd have to build like the every field of the world yeah every field of uh how do I word it like you'd have to build the population up and then you have to have people fill specific uh uh like jobs that i mean dude because then if the people well, that don't exist that what, that know a specific uh field or industry and that those people don't exist anymore they have to start from scratch there too it's well, kind of like when, i was about to say i think you're about to go the same thing mm-hmm. but there's this currently an anime out there it's called dr stone mm-hmm Basically, the premise is the whole world got turned to stone by some kind of green uh, ray or some shit. So everyone got turned to stone. Uh, the main character um, is one of those, like, a thousand IQ geniuses, once in a lifetime type person. Yes. So for over a thousand years, he was counting in his mind to keep himself awake inside the stone. And yada yada, yada anime bullshit. A thousand years later, he breaks out of the the thing, and he's the only human, as far as he knows, that's on Earth, and everything's gone. Like, there's no buildings, nothing like that. Everything's just gone. It's as if humanity never. The stone statues are the only evidence of humanity ever existing before him. Yeah. And literally, the show is about him using the knowledge he learned that he learned as a back in art society to rebuild society. Like and that's like one of the coolest scenes. Like we see him like right now there. Uh, he's building a boat. He built a he. Uh, there were he, they found out that there were people that were, that were alive. Apparently, the people that were in the International Space Station were unaffected, and when they came back to Earth, they recreated. They started you know populating again. So he found those people, and then he found a way to break people out of the stone thing. And so he starts making up more people, starts bringing up knowledge again. But it's just cool to go from. He literally went from sticks and stones to he built a warship. He oh. built radar. He built sonar. Uh, he built a fucking cell phone. He, not cell phone. It's a phone, but he built radios again. Like, it's him bringing society back up slowly but surely. And it's everything he does is like they're following the actual scientific way he would go to, to make it. Like, the first hurdle is they made antibiotics. Yeah. And he said there's two ways there's the chemical way. Or there's the organic way with, sorry, the rock way or the chemical way with the sofa drug or um, what's the shit we make out of mold? Uh, penicillin. Penicillin. Those were the two paths that were available to him. And he chose the stone one because it was hard to find that specific type of mold. Yeah. 
So he chose the stone path, and literally every episode is about him. Okay, we have to find sulfuric acid. We have to find this type of chemical. I have to make this contraption. And like, it's literally him rebuilding everything. I think it was like it's like one of the best animes out there right now. It's uh-huh. fucking great. And the big thing is like, yeah, it's only possible because he was the one that was revived. Because he had all that knowledge. He was smart enough to know and smart enough to figure it out on his own. Yeah. Let's be honest, that ain't going to happen if we Well, yeah, it's, it's the, like, what I, the point I was going to say was it's like, I think Joe Rogan did a, it's in one of the stand-up comedies, was a joke. He's like, oh, if I, if I sent you into the woods with a hatchet and a lighter, how long before you could send me an email? Like, how long would it take? You yeah. know, and that's, and that's, a true, that's the true measure of, I think, what would happen if there was some sort of situation like that is, okay, if, if all of your shit didn't work and you had to remake it from nothing, how long would it take before you could do that? How long before you could, for a BlackBerry or iPhone, how long before you could make an iPhone? You know, when we, but probably thousands of years, right? It would, it, that's what going back to like, quote unquote, the Stone Age would be like. It's essentially, yeah, everything It probably be, if, if you're talking, are you talking about like with all the knowledge that people have? Yeah, I mean, like if you think about it, but then which of the people, like think about, all right, the three of us sitting here, do we really understand how any of this shit that's recording us or how any of this shit actually works? Like, I only recently I, learned how electricity well, works. Even, even so, like, even if we have a vague understanding of how something will work, at least it's enough. It, it's not enough, but there, there's like a vague concept of what we're trying to do, right? Right, right. We're not starting from zero. So right. I think it wouldn't take nearly as long as it would the first time. So, Maybe, be, but yeah. then think about this, right? Okay, so the people that immediately survive it, right? What are they gonna? What are they gonna be their priorities? Is is making a computer gonna be a priority? No, it's probably, probably food not. And water, so finding out food, water, shelter, right? So then, if you go 10, 15 years with just kind of focusing on that, then kind of that knowledge gets a little bit lost. Then the next generation doesn't know what a cell phone is, doesn't know what a computer is. So then, over hundreds of years, all that you know, the technology would be lost. And yes, eventually it would probably be rediscovered and likely. Smart people who still existed we're, who pass on knowledge would maybe eventually. Yeah, we're also not Neanderthals. So True, right? Like, we have that advantage going for us. Yeah, in itself. <laughs> and to say that over the course of time, it'd basically be like starting from zero. Zero. Uh, I, th- I, I still think the chances of redeveloping the exact same thing like a yeah, smartphone it's would be a lot quicker. Qu- yeah, it'd be, still be a lot quicker. It's not going to be yeah thousands of years it yeah. might it might be maybe another it may be 50 yeah. you know before they maybe got stuff going back again but yeah so anyways so you, you uh as far as like the taiwan and oh Ch- yeah, yeah and china stuff like that uh so I mean, you're you're saying look, that look how long it, look how look yeah, look how long it took china to get hong kong back in order and those motherfuckers were fighting them with bows and arrows it also I mean, because if, if anything, with that specific situation, those people had the advantage of having cameras in front of them to make it look like China was obviously the bad guy, like the heel, the yeah. heel in the show. <laughs> right, right. Uh, and th- that, that's the exact same thing that could happen with Taiwan, but it doesn't really mean anything because it's like, that's not really a threat. That's just, it's just bad PR for China. Ultimately, yeah, but, but if, who gives a shit? If yeah, exactly. In the long run, who gives a shit? The Chinese they have this saying where it's like you gotta you gotta take a little shit to get to get gold or something like that. And so like that's how they kind of do things now with with here is they 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 pay people off right. So but they pay the dudes who are talking shit against them because it's like oh cool like yeah we got to take a little bit of shit just to keep people off our backs. But like oh like, what we're getting out of this by controlling this narrative 
Like is far worth you know in exchange or whatever. Yeah. yeah so I'm saying like here in the U.S. we have companies that will never say anything bad about China. We have people that will never say, like LeBron James and J- John Cena, who will get on their knees and suck that Chinese dick for that money. <laughs> True. Uh, hey, uh, China, if you got some money, you want to give a, a small fucking podcast. Josh got some big I, old DSLs. I, I have some fucking. I got some tongue skills that you wouldn't fucking <laughs> even imagine, son. Uh, so. Your your theory is that well I I don't think you specifically said this but you, you brought it up uh-huh. so you you're thinking the long term goal is to uh, to drown out the U S monetarily with right. this alliance this uh, the, economic yeah. alliance between the five or six countries that you mentioned and bleed right. us out that way like a slow yeah death by a thousand cuts basically. right that's kind of what they and they've been doing that for years and then that's going to and then if they spread us thin militarily with this whole conflict in Russia and Ukraine, and it becomes maybe a bigger NATO kind of deal, then yeah, if we're spread thin militarily and economically we're taking a shit and we're in the shitter, that's gonna be their opportunity for to, to strike and take Taiwan because then if we do respond, that's gonna be a that's gonna be a bloody affair. That's that's gonna be it's gonna cost American lives. That's gonna be something that's gonna be heavy. Hey the Chinese have that <clears throat> saying, we also have a saying. Because sometimes you got to break a few eggs to get an omelet. Right, true. I mean, that is true. And <clears throat> honestly, though, like, we have, we're already fighting technically a war on two fronts here. We're with Russia. Um, we're not fighting them, but, you know, we're, we're doing a proxy war with them. Right. I mean, is, is it a proxy war if they are actually in the fight, but we are not? Well, I, yeah, I, it is. Well, I mean, really, the proxy war is still between us and China because. Yeah. But China saying, is Russia's clearly the now they they want to be the number two. They're okay with China being the number one. The Russians have bent the knee. Putin has bent the knee essentially and has said, "Hey man, yeah, you guys can be the big dog, but you know, let, just let us be number two, right? Like that's kind of what they want." And so that's kind. Of, I I feel like they're sort of doing the bidding of China by doing this whole Ukraine thing. The, but then I also want to quickly mm-hmm. mention that. Uh, in spite of the fact that, because you know there was like a whole thing going on in Russia with petrol, because uh, a lot of the is it petrol or or just natural gases mm-hmm. that were coming from Russia supply like a good portion of Western Europe in general. Right. Yeah. yeah. But now it's it's like well, remember at the G twenty summit, uh, Trump made a speech saying that if Germany whatever doesn't get their shit together. Russia is going to start them out with gas because that's where they're getting their their fuel for their fires and all that shit. Yeah. And they laughed them out of the building. Now, a few years later, it's fucking happening. Yeah, yeah. Germany's like moving on to... Because I think... Well, I don't know where they're getting their, their natural... Like, Germany specifically has... Cut off ties from Russia all Well, that's where they were getting it from. They were getting, they were getting from Russia, yes. Yeah. But I'm saying that now they're pulling from another country. I want to say it's Estonia or like Afghanistan or not Afghanistan, uh, Kazakhstan or something. One of those. Yeah. I, don't, I don't fucking know. One of those stands. Yeah. Um, yeah and I could be wrong. I, I don't know the specific country. The only reason I was thinking those one of those two is because there, there was something else that... I was reading up on that specific country, but anyways, I forget, but now they're trying to develop their own natural gas or, or technology to compensate for the fact that the Russians have, uh, cut them off, cut them off yeah. basically. So in that same regard, like you have to imagine that maybe other European countries are doing the exact same thing to wean themselves off of any kind of economic ties to 
Russia itself. So I think maybe the maybe the Western world is also fighting Russia in in a different way, doing their own death by a thousand cuts in some other yeah. aspects. Uh, I mean, with all the sanctions and shit, yeah, that's yeah. basically what that is. That's that's us fighting economic warfare yeah. against them by putting all these sanctions and all this stuff, and. You know, but again, the sanctions are almost worthless because they're they're still selling their fuel. They're still selling to it. other people. people are yeah. It. yeah, I mean, it's not like it's not getting sold, and you know, they're but, still able to get stuff that. But um, uh, there's this guy on. Uh, well, I didn't even think that. Uh, I was thinking about like because China has a horrible, horrible infrastructure system. Like, I don't know if you ever seen the videos of the bridges and shit. Like they're breaking up. And like we, they're broken, and they're taking it off, and you literally see that it's filled with like corn husks and shit, like little cor- cores. I mean, and it's cool those, and they pour concrete over it, and that's their fucking infrastructure. Their buildings are falling apart. They build a brand new fucking skyscraper, didn't realize they built it on mud, and it just again, it's like all it takes is one good hit, and that, that's it. The, the infrastructure is down. Like China has a lot of weaknesses that we know about. But we can't touch them because they own us. <laughs> they own our, a good portion of our debt. But like, I don't know if you ever heard of the Three Rivers Gorge. I think it's called. Yeah, it's the dam. Through, yeah. It's a giant dam, and on the other side of that dam is literally their entire fucking like infrastructure and shit. Because that was like really good land for that. So that's why they built that dam. You take that out, you take out a shit ton. But they know this. So I doubt that it'll be easy to do that. But like, China's just. I don't know. What I'm trying. I don't know the note I'm trying to make here. <laughs> Uh, I don't know. Their infrastructure is really bad. Like I, I don't know. I showed Josh this video of their brand new aircraft carrier that just got out like th- two or three months ago, mm-hmm. and its flight deck's already cracked. It's already got a huge fucking crack in the whole thing, and we're literally rolling with aircraft carriers and fucking ships that we've had since Vietnam and shit, and they're still going strong. As a matter of fact, we're instead of building new ships, we're just upgrading them with nuclear reactors and shit. So our shit's lasting, and their shit isn't. Which is the, I don't know, that, I, that's why I don't really see China as the big threat that people say it is. But again, as the name says, I'm not fully informed in this. So I don't understand the big threat of it, militaristically. Economically, yes, I see them as the fucking threat they are. Yeah, well, militaristically, I think that they, the, the, just the sheer number of people. I mean, the amount of people that are in, that are capable of being drafted in their in their country obvious or what is it military aged males far outweighs the number that we have here so but again, that doesn't it doesn't always equate right like that uh, just having superior feel, numbers doesn't always I mean feel like that era win. that era of warfare is over like where numbers win it where we can literally kill hundreds of them from our safely in our bases here in america Right, yeah, that's true. But I, I was also going to say, like, what, and, you know, maybe there is, in fact, there probably is one billion plus people in the country of China, right? Oh, yeah. But how many of those people are accounted for, like, as being part of a functioning society? Because there's parts of China that, like, people... Dude, do you know, you know the street vendors? Mm. Do you know how they get their oil? Because they can't afford it? Mm. No. They grab raw sewage, mm. filtrate it boil it and do a bunch of shit to it to make oil to them to cook food on the streets. They're literally eating from their own garbage. Mm-hmm. Well, the only thing I was going to add to that is that, uh, you know, for what, being 1 billion people, like how many of those people belong to civilization itself of China? 
and yeah, like who, who and how how many of those people would want to contribute to a war that well, they probably are not invested in well it's funny if you bring, if you bring that logic over here to the u.s those people on the fringes the outcasts, the people that are there are probably our, our most most dangerous motherfuckers out here because they're the ones that are gonna own guns they don't give a shit about the laws they're the ones that are probably our most dangerous like there's a joke about if the russians invade they will be stopped at the uh, appalachian mountains because all they, they'd be running, they'd be walking through the mountains, and it's just on did a ding ding ding. They literally get fucked. <laughs> yeah, I mean, literally. It, well, well, it's that whole thing. We, I mean, kind of going on that topic about that. It's that whole thing, Hirohito or whoever, or Miyamoto, or they don't know. They don't know if it was Toto, but they don't yeah. know if it was actually him that said it. Right, but again, it's somebody he's said. credited with it. But somebody said in Japan, like the only reason that they would never like an invasion of America is never on the table is because there's a there's a, a one gun behind every blade of grass. And that's true. I mean, that still holds true to this day that we as Americans own more firearms than probably the rest of the world, I think, combined. There are more guns in the United States than there are people. And these are the two things that we have going for us is, yeah, there are more guns in the United States going for us than there are people, right? So we have more more guns in any country, well, the rest of the world combined, basically. And also we have the two largest buffers uh, ever created, which is the Atlantic Ocean and the Pacific Ocean. So you got to cross a lot of fucking space, a lot of open sea to come fuck with us, and you got to get past basically what is essentially the number one navy on the planet uh, to do it. So that's just the number one navy, the number one air force, right? So if you you got to get through a lot of fucking hoops to come here at home and fuck us up, which is why I don't think an invade a full invasion is never an option on the table for America as it stands now. If America were to, let's say, like all these assholes talking about, oh, splitting off and becoming our own, you know, our own little countries or whatever. And now if that were to happen and you no longer fell under the protector of the United States, yeah, that may be worth some, maybe worse some shit. Who knows? But as long as the United States exists as it does now, no, nah, I don't think an invasion is really ever legitimately on the table um, just because we have that going for us. We have all these guns and we have, you know the Pacific and the Atlantic oceans that you have to get through and, or Canada and or Mexico, which I mean, because the thing with Mexico is Canada could probably hold its own for us to get there and help them. Cause we will help them if Russia invades them because we know we're next. And with Mexico, they may not be able to, but all they gotta do is go America, America. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, basically. And, and you know, even in Canada, I mean, going through Canada, there's so many, they'd be crossing so many mountains. Well, so much swath of land that's uninhabited. Remember, 90% of Canada's population is on the border between the U.S. Right, and Canada. yeah. And so if you're coming through that area where it's just this uninhabited land, nukes are definitely on the table with yeah. us. All we'd have to do is just drop some nukes. And uh, that's a good we, point, yeah. Because we ain't going to kill, we ain't going to blow, we ain't going to kill anything that is being used in terms of you know, okay, whatever, it's ir- the land would be quote-unquote irradiated for, yeah. Yeah, who cares, it's already uninhabited, and then whatever, now we just took out your entire invasion force with uh, six fucking nuclear missiles, you know, yeah. big deal, you know, that's it. So that, again, that's, that's the type of protection that we have. And there's also this like, thing that people like to say about population where it can actually be a double-edged sword. If you were to drop bombs randomly, like without targeting, just randomly drop bombs in the U.S., there's a good chance that 90% of them are going to hit nothing. You drop bombs randomly in China, it's a 90% chance you're going to kill a fuck ton of people. Yeah. So let's say, like, we have, China does not have room to expand anymore. That's why they want to expand to Taiwan and shit like that. We, it's going to be a while until our, our, the United States actual physical land is out of space. 
And then once that happens, we'll probably do what Japan did and build super high skyscrapers and shit like that. Yeah. Like, you ever seen you ever seen the aerial photo of Tokyo? No. It's fucking insane, dude. Like, every... There's, like, no space anywhere. Buildings are like this and, like... Yeah. It's I mean, I can imagine, crazy. yeah. That's true. But, um... I, I mean... I guess there... <laughs> if, I, if I had... To say that, like, it, it is kind of nice to be on the other side, I suppose, because if, well, it's hard to say because it's like China itself is the biggest threat, right? But it's also the fact that the U.S. has a large number, large number of developed nations on their side. So I'm like, I'm threatened. Yes, of course. Like being, being eliminated by China by monetary or economic right, yeah. uh, means economic means is kind of scary but it's like dude we have we have more developed nations on our side right true and if if it escalates to warfare but, uh, I would, there's also it's war- either zero it's either nobody wins yep. like everybody fucking dies yep. or we win yep that's the only two options this is either yeah. no one wins or america wins that's it that's the only that's the only two outcomes that are realistic in in any sense so it's yeah but uh what, what do you guys say frank uh for that already Oh, yeah, but it's also kind of sad, though, because our greatest ally in Europe right now is no longer the UK. It's no longer France. Our biggest supporter in Europe is fucking Poland. Why do you say that? Um, The UK prime minister says that our relationship with America isn't special or or something we need. France is trying to join BRICS. So automatically, they're fucking betraying us. And again, UK saying that and say, they basically just said, fuck the U.S., we don't need you. Poland goes, America is our greatest ally. America is the reason European, Europe has stayed strong for this long. America is this, America that. We're, and we're like, yeah, f- fucking that's our bro right there. Because mm-hmm. they, they've been invaded twice by the Germans and the fucking Russians. And they're like, yeah, we know, we know the scoreboard. <laughs> yeah, yeah, true, true. And like one of the joke videos I saw is because uh, supposedly the Russians are going to bomb a nuclear facility in Europe and um, <laughs> there was a video where the guy was talking shit to Russia and says dude if you do this I will fuck you up I will do this do this and I will give Belarus to Poland <laughs> and the guy from Belarus is like the fuck did I did you chose the wrong side <laughs> yeah, that is true that is true so then, like, and then like I said they said that and then they fucking backed it up because they upgraded their whole military system and paid us fifteen billion dollars to do it. Because they, they know where their bread is buttered. That that doesn't sound like a lot when it comes to like a military budget. Fifteen dollar fifteen billion dollars doesn't sound cool. don't compare it to the US's budget. Yeah. I mean fifteen billion was probably forty percent of their fucking annual budget. Yeah, I mean uh the US, like we had said, seven hundred and fifty billion dollars. I mean, yeah, fifteen billion is not much. And that's just to upgrade shit. So yeah, because I'm thinking about like what what does it cost to have like whatever aircraft or even whatever vehicle like that's, armored that's, vehicles that they have could be I don't know. Like it well, just doesn't remember, seem, yeah, it doesn't seem remember like that much. remember. If you buy a Russian tank, the only way you're going to keep it is you're constantly maintaining it, oiling it, driving it, using it. If you buy an American tank, it's going to last you just because it's made. It's a fucking American-made, American-engineered piece of wonder. Mm-hmm. Look at our Patriot system. Like I just said, it shot down their most advanced missiles, and it's something we created in the 70s. 
or in the 60s, what I can't remember. So, again, it's built to last. As long as, if it's the military structure, infrastructure, it's built to last for them. Mm. If it's built for the civilian, go fuck, they can go fuck themselves. Because that's why shit doesn't last here. But at the same time, though, you also got to remember that the U.S. military, everything we have is made by the lowest bidder. And yeah. it's still outperforming Russia. Right, that's true. And also, you know, if you look at, I mean, let's just be honest, there's a lot of waste in a lot of those contracts, too. It's like, oh, they charge $1,000 for a fucking stapler yeah. or, you know, shit like that. Like, <laughs> I mean, that's, that's fucking ridiculous. But at the same time, it's, it's like, okay, cool, but you're also, the trade-off is, well, now you're making shit for us that's, you know, amazing technology. So it's like, yeah, all right, whatever. If you want to charge $1,000 for a stapler or whatever, I guess we'll fucking, we'll fucking let it slide. You know, this time. So like, there's one guy who said, like, if if all war breaks out, this is what, like, his theory about how it would go down. The first thing, if China fucks with, the, again, assuming he did the different scenarios on different countries who started. If Russia, start, if America, China starts with us, there's going to be two aircraft carriers and a shit ton of um, destroyers and shit in the Bay of China, or what's it called? The, the Sea of China. China. Yeah. The Sea of China. Or sea of Japan, I think, or whatever. Wherever yeah. Taiwan is. Yeah. Uh, it's gonna happen. Two, we're gonna bomb Brazil. We're gonna bomb any country. We're not gonna. We're not gonna be in warfare. We're just gonna bomb them and let them know, hey, you join Russia. This is what's next for you. And three, we're gonna tell South Korea to stop playing nice. We're gonna tell like, like we're holding South Korea from doing shit to North Korea. We're holding a lot of countries back because we don't want war. But once that happens, and we say, go ahead, do what you want, go fuck shit up, because. People don't realize how much we do to prevent, again, I said this earlier, collateral damage and shit. But once we don't care about collateral damage, that's when the world, that's when they're fucked. Because nobody since World War II has ever had America's full undivided attention. And no one has ever gone against NATO. So we don't know how that that scoreboard is going to look. But just a country with support from NATO is pushing back the quote unquote greatest military in the world. You're referring to Russia. Yeah. China, I mean, it's funny, like me and Josh were talking about this, like, we feel kind of stupid for all these years seeing Russia as the big boogeyman, and sad to say, or I don't know if it's sad to say, but they're not. It's China. Right, I don't know if it's like feeling stupid, but like, so it's, it's just the effectiveness of, okay, now we did, Russia was the big boogeyman for so long, but the reason why now they're not is because, well, we made all this shit to negate them being the boogeyman. And now we're seeing they it lied, They lied. They lied about what they had. They said, oh, we have a hypersonic missile that can go almost the speed of this, this, and this. Okay, let's build a defense system for that. Oh, we overcompensated. You don't have that shit. Oh, we have this, this, and this. Okay, like the, the whole Foxborough thing. Oh, shit, they had this really badass jet. Let's make the greatest jet that's ever going to exist to counter it. Like, oh, that thing's a piece of oh, shit. Yeah. We yeah, we realized, oh, this is just a piece of shit. But <laughs> we over-engineered over something and made it even better. So now it's like, well, now we have this fucking super awesome piece of technology because you guys were do, do you know bullshitting score, us. You like, know what the scoreboard is for the F-15? Hmm. It's like 100, 900 to 10 to zero. We shot down. The, our, and again, most of those was done by like Israel and stuff like that. Hmm. But our jet has shot down... All these people it has never been shot down. You know what's funny? It's been a minute since we've heard anything. Well, maybe it's just the fact that I, I haven't been checking the news as of late, or it's just the fact that uh, Ukraine and Russia has been kind of at the forefront as far as uh, global events Not go. Right, yeah. But 
you know, for a long time, and maybe it was provoked by evangelicals and and uh, people of the Abrahamic religions uh, insisting <laughs> yeah. that the end of the world was going to come from the Middle East. Like that was going to be the the oh, situa- yeah. the situation that uh, would provoke World World War Three, and it doesn't seem like that's going to. That's, that, that, that's, that's no not longer the, an option, not, it seems like. It's, it doesn't, it's, it's like... Who was it? Was it Egypt or... Uh, it was one of those Middle Eastern countries where Russia told them, hey, we're running out of missiles. Can you start making stuff for us? Yeah, it was Iran. Yeah. Was it Iran? Yeah, they're making their drones, too. No, no, no. This is, no, this is somebody else. They, were, they told them, hey, we're running out of missiles. Can you start making stuff for us? Mm. All right, cool. Yeah, we'll do it. We'll start making them right now. U.S. comes in. Hey, how about we give you a billion dollars a year and you give those to the Ukraine instead? You got it, boss. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, that one, yeah. But uh, yeah, dude. I mean, for so long we were hearing about Israel, Israel and Palestine, all this bullshit, and I'm like, nah, that that thing has been superseded by, uh, well, potentially Taiwan and China, and of course the Ukraine and, and Russia. Russia. But uh, well, anyways, uh, well, uh, it's funny you say that because we were talking. We, we said it earlier, but we didn't elaborate on it. That the thing that that we have that supersedes their hypersonic missiles is a system called Flying Dragon. I don't know. We told you about how the U.S. has the most powerful logistical system in the world. Mm-hmm. With this, we weaponized the, our logistic system. So our C-17s and our uh, AC, our uh, C-130s are our transport cargo ships. Okay. We effectively turned them into missile platforms with this. So they have these giant crates that can hold like nine or six javelin missiles. Mm-hmm. And then they just... Yeet it out the back of it. <laughs> yeah, literally. Yeah. It just yeets out of there, and then as it's falling, the missiles each launch from that crate. Oh, I see. And go to their, go to their that'd be kind of, That's kind of interesting, because then it's like uh, whatever defense systems people have against it, uh, maybe like even the heat signature. There is no heat signature. No, It'd just no, be gravity itself, wouldn't it? Yeah, no, no. But here's the thing. These aren't bombs. Mm. They're missiles. Yeah. So we're not shoot. Oh, here's our target. Here's the plane. No. We're about fourteen miles. We're about like fourteen hundred miles over there. That's where we're shooting the missile from. Mm. And these javelin missiles are fucking stealthy as fuck. Mm-hmm. They're hard to pick up and they're fucking fast. Yeah. And unlike the hypersonic missile, they can maneuver. Mm. And so the guy, uh, the electrician again, he was talking about. It. He goes, "Hey, here are two cities that you can bomb from. You know, with this system from our allied nations." He goes, two cities." Just pick that random. There's no reason. Just random. The first one was uh, uh, China. Beijing, China could be hit from South Korea. Mm-hmm. Goes, and then the other one was from um, Kiev. It can hit Russia and Moscow. So it's like saying, oh, he just, oh two, two, two cities at random. But, you know, you know he knew. Yeah. 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 But it's like, yeah, all, we wouldn't even need to fly over enemy occupied territory to be able to, to do that. You could just launch those from whatever friendly airspace. And there they go. There they go. You, you know, like the C seventeen. I think was it? It was the C five. The C five was just the biggest one we have. I think he said that one. I think they said that one could hold seventy two missiles in, in, in its full payload. Seventy two missiles worth of pallets, and it would you just it just can you, you imagine that you launch that second, out of the back. Seventy five, seventy two missiles can hit seventy two targets at once, and that's just one C seventeen of our airplanes or C twos, whatever. Yeah, that's just one of our cargo airplanes could launch seventy-two missiles out of it. That's that's like In fucking a matter of juggling like thirty seconds. I think it throws. Yeah, it out. you wouldn't even have time to think about like how to, like what would you save at that point? Because you couldn't. You're having you yeah. have to. Ju- uh, again, like you're these, fucked. You got to remember though. Again, 
these are missiles, they're not bombs. So they, mm. they're not going to hit like a bomb does, but mm. it could hit, it can hit, it can easily hit like structures that cause severe damage. Yeah. It ain't going to erase a base or anything like that, or unless all 72 hit there. Yeah. But yeah, that's, even China admitted that they're they're, they're worried about this. Mm. And like, again, like the fat electrician said, do you know how hard it is to get a communist nation to say something? Because they're too busy usually starving. <laughs> Yeah, dude. I, I don't know, man. We'll see how it plays out. Cause it, yeah, it, we'll see. I mean, shit, we're still here, so and, good, yeah, good sign. It's true. Yeah. And there are a lot of variables to, to everything, and there's multiple. I mean, who could have seen that fucking Wagner mutiny coming? You know what I'm saying? Like that. CIA. Yeah, I'm sure they yeah. <laughs> yeah I but mean, I mean, like, in general, like, just if, if you think about, like, oh, did, did you have... Did you have a Russian the bingo card? On, yeah, on your 2023 bingo apocalypse <laughs> card? Nope, that wasn't on anybody's yeah. fucking bingo card. So... You know, fucking, man, who knows? I like that one where he was like, man, it would be real nice if I could stop living through historical events happening all at once. Dude, yeah, I'm man. telling you, man, just for, fuck, the only period I think we've had that wasn't, like, wildly uh, concerning, <laughs> yeah. I guess, was, like, the 90s, dude. Yeah, man. I, I don't know if there was... Even even if you go recently, remember a couple of years ago, the biggest fucking oh no moment was when a shit ton of celebrities died? Celebrities died for, like, like COVID? No, like 2012, whatever, where just randomly like 13 fucking celebrities were dying and shit. Like, oh shit, this is crazy. This is crazy. And then COVID and like celebrities. Oh, yeah. Oh, who cares? A bunch of us are dying. <laughs> uh, well, I, I mean, shit. I don't know if we're at the end, but I don't know if I have anything else to add. No, I think that's uh, I think that's pretty much shit. Yeah. We go for like two and a half hours almost. Yeah. That's pretty good. That was damn. That was a lot. We got a lot on this one. That was pretty good. So yeah, I don't know how often we're gonna do this one. Maybe you know. Well, no, this one actually we're gonna try to do weekly. Uh, it was the other one I didn't know, but yeah, this one we're going to try to start doing maybe weekly and, uh, you know, so cool. So check out for that. Look out for that. And, uh, yeah, I guess, uh, you guys, anything else to say at the end or, um, I just want to end with one of the greatest quotes I ever heard from military general. Mm -hmm. Uh, I think, I don't know if he was a general, but he was, I think he received the medal of honor and he was doing his speech Mm -hmm. and he says, we, as the American people do not want war. We do not seek war. We do not want it. But if you bring war to us, I promise you, someone else will be raising your children. Um, I also want to contribute and quote the movie Patton. <laughs> you magnificent bastard, I read your book. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, what are you talking about, Rommel? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah man, that, was, that was a good line for that. That is actually the real line of what he said, too, in real life, which is yeah. fucking awesome. Man, that is a good fucking good movie, man. Patton, that's such a good movie. Rommel, you magnificent bastard, I read your book. <laughs> I read your book. <laughs> Anyways, that was, that was it. Uh, what you got, Josh? That, that, that's it. I just have to say that was that was pretty funny. And then I mean, there's that other there's that other part of the movie when he's when he slaps the shit out of that guy when he's when he's he's got quote unquote shell shock or whatever. And he just, <laughs> just he's like, Chuck, you're not injured. And he just takes his glove and he just starts beating the shit out of him with it. Like uh, that was fucking hilarious. But uh, anyways, yeah, cool, awesome. All right, well, uh, thanks for listening, and uh, we'll catch you on the next one. was the latest episode of the Central Unintelligence Podcast. Don't forget, subscribe and like on Instagram and TikTok at Game Rage Magazine. We're also on Twitter slash X at Game Rage Mag. Also our website, www.gameragemagazine.com.